Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I was in the darkest spot I've ever been. It was the society had a little leg on top of my head. People say to me, no, I don't miss it I'm like, okay, you're either very lucky or are you really being honest yourself? It's just a government again, similar to kind of the, the housing crisis. Like the roads are a disgrace. Join the conversation. Call 0818 9696 here for PJ. Uh, it's the bank holiday weekend, that's right, and uh, uh, Groundhog Day and all that goes with it on a cloudy day too, but dry and very, very mild. I hope you're well. And we're here with you through till 12. PJ's back with you on Tuesday and I wish him well. Uh, he's enjoying a, an extended bank holiday, as indeed I hope you are. Now, uh, 083 396 96 96 for your WhatsApp messages and for your texts and 0818 96 96 96 if you would like to give the programme a call this morning. Now, uh, lots of stuff in the newspapers this morning. RTE, once again, uh, they're now actually in the news more than the news they give themselves. And they're all over uh, the print papers this morning and all over uh, a lot of the, the the news houses online. RTE issues €435,000 tender for printing. Uh, big story in the Irish Examiner. And on the same page, rugby tops list of sports public want to keep free to wear. Very contentious issue here at the moment. And I'll come back to something else a little later in relation to that. And that is the gambling Regulation Bill. Big piece in the Irish Examiner about that this morning. Written by Jane Mangan, who you'll know if you regularly watch uh, horse racing. She's one of the one of their their greatest broadcasters, I think, and commentators. We'll come back to that if you have an interest in horse racing. But with the weekend that's in it for rugby, rugby fans have lined out for their sport en masse leading the calls for its key sporting events to be kept free to air on television. Sean Murray in The Examiner reports this morning that in response to a public consultation on which sporting events should be designated as having to be shown free to air, almost one in four, that's 24% of those asked, said that either Six Nations games must be shown live 
or Rugby's European Cup. And the results of the consultation come ahead of the beginning of the Six Nations tonight with an Ireland team now without the retired Johnny Sexton heading to Marseille for a tussle with the much-fancied French team. It's going to be a serious game. But uh, we'd like to hear your views on that this morning. This is something in relation to uh, so much that's happening um, on television at the moment. It's, it's Obviously, with GAA Go, this is a further sticking point. The controversial service, 4% of respondents said that all of GAA championships should be free to wear. A further 3.1% said that amateur boxing should be free to wear, while 2.9% specifically highlighted the GAA provincial championship and the same amount said the Rugby Pro 14 League. And a range of other sports then also featured in responses to the survey, including professional boxing, the Irish Open Golf Tournament, horse racing and cricket and that's something I think we'll definitely come back to already a couple of reactions coming into that this morning what are your views on that 0818 96 96 96 and 083 396 we're with you through to 12 it will be lovely to hear from you whatever your plans are for the weekend please be careful on the roads lots of warnings from the Road Safety Authority and lots of warnings from the Gardaí and uh, obviously that's tragic, tragic incident in Carlow ahead of the bank holiday weekend, a real reminder to us that life is so precious and it can be gone in literally the space of the flick of a finger. Uh, This bank holiday weekend, Cork's 96FM with the Road Safety Authority is asking you to please, please, please slow down. If you find yourself in the passenger seat of a car with someone who's going too fast or just not concentrating, then don't just think it, say it for your sake and theirs, okay? So if you're in the passenger seat and they're in the driver's seat, the likelihood is that if anything happens to the car, you're the one who's going to feature very highly in terms of where you go and how they get you there and what they do to you when they get you there and whether you live or not. Um, In many, many serious car crashes, when it comes to the front two drivers or the front two passengers, it's usually the front seat passenger who suffers very, very severe injuries. And also, please remember, wear your seatbelt, OK? It's not a gimmick. When it comes to road safety, we can all do with a little reminder every now and again. So please don't just think it, say it. Now, uh, there's nothing more frightening than when a family member disappears without sight. And that was the case for Eileen Ring and her family this week when her brother Dennis went missing in Portugal and Eileen is on the line right now with an update. Morning to you Eileen. Morning Gareth, how are you? I'm very well. Now uh, tell us what's happening because I know when I was talking to the team yesterday about this things were a lot different but there has been a development hasn't there? Yeah, there has been. Um, Dennis has been located and he was in intensive care in, in a Portuguese hospital um, so look, my dad and my brother are, are out there and by the time they landed yesterday, we, we had kind of located him and his best friend, um, Pete, had flown from Dublin. He's a young lad who grew up in the same estate as, De- as us growing up and he's friends with Dennis since they're, since they're kids and he had flown out first because he's based in Dublin now and once I got the information yesterday from, from just a stranger on Facebook, um, I, I text Pete and he literally got was at the hospital in 10 minutes and able to say, yeah, look, it's him. Um, so yeah, look, he, he has head injuries. Um, w- there'll be a lot unknown, but he's had surgery to, to alleviate them. Um, he had a, a bleed 
but there was there's a lot of positive signs and I suppose for us like this time yesterday it was just it was despair it was this complete unknown and I mean as you said like it's it's a horror it's, it's your worst nightmare and like thinking the very very worst as time was as each hour passes really um so while obviously no one ever wants to hear their brother's intensive in intensive care it was I think the best we could hope for and instead yeah. he has responded he's responded like when he heard his his buddy's voice and and he's squeezing my dad's hand and my brother so like and um, there are really really positive signs there well that that is the best news you know I I, I think the absence of any information whatsoever turns everything into a nightmare and there's only so much encouraging and 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 sort of uplifting that you can give to each other how 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 did you all feel during the week as every day went by it must have been worse yeah like i i, I it's not something i can even explain like it's as you said like it's these things you dream of and like you obviously look unfortunately it's probably something you hear more and more often and Another friend of mine, Eleanor Lucy, out in Ballincollig, um, obviously they're having the situation with her brother in Perth as well at the moment. And I had sent, I'd been sending well wishes to her the week before, you know, and then suddenly something like this is on your own doorstep. And it's just despair. And as you said, look, everyone means well, and we know everyone means well. And I think I was probably short with a couple of people a few times. I'm sure my mother was probably short with people. But I think, look, we, you know, it was just the support, the kindness people have shown us Um I've just been really blown away by it. I'm probably quite cynical by my by my nature, and anyone who knows me will laugh at that now. But I'm genuinely just touched by by everybody because, like, it, essentially, it was like the power of social media, which again we all give out about, is what is how we located him. Because I suppose Tuesday evening, the staff in in the bar where he was last seen, um, I just wanted to mention them and Gabriella in particular, who's who's just been an incredible support to us. They'd called to these hospitals. That's the thing. They called to the hospitals, but they're unwilling to give out information. And they just had called with just a picture of him. And it was on um, the Wednesday, then obviously yesterday morning that we decided we, we were going to have to go on social media and kind of see, can we get anything, anything spotted? And at about one o'clock yesterday, I just had a, a comment on, on my status saying, I, I might have found him. And can you go to your messenger? And this girl, um, Marta. Um, like I had just seen this post, seen like happened to come across somebody had obviously shared it, it popped up in her timeline. Um, and she got the post and like went to the hospital. She went to the hospital where he was. Um, and she said, "Look, these people are desperate, and I'm not a relative, but like you can see, this is they're looking. I is there anything I can tell them?" And they said, "Look, it does look like him. It might be him, but we can't confirm. And has he any marks?" So Dennis has, does have sleeves, um, tattoos, but he has um, the dark mark in Harry Potter. So any Harry Potter fans will laugh that the dark mark was used for good, mm. but it's quite noticeable. So, um, and then she said, yeah, look, um, I, th- I think it, it, sound, it really sounds like a team. And she gave us the number for the intensive care and said, then I sent Pete, um, his friend, straight there. And subsequently, my, my wife was talking, got on to the got onto the intensive care unit and they pretty much confirmed it because as I said I always think Dennis is distinctive looking because of his beard that we all give out to him about um, and that was it. the doctor even said that to him and um, to my wife on the phone yesterday she was like he's so distinctive looking she kind of felt that there had to be somebody looking for him so mm. um, yeah look as he said a good ending look while there is stuff unknown we'll just cross every bridge now as we come as, as we come to it and, and kind of push on from there What sort of a beard I'm curious uh because uh, it, it beards are so distinctive. 
oh like it's this long wild beard like it right. causes my mother great great distress and she'd be <laughs> cursing him over it like but <laughs> well, this is this is great news i'm just wondering when like looking back over the week when did you start getting suspicious was it that he wasn't responding to to your messages or that he just wasn't on social media yeah, he wasn't anywhere online. Um, and like that, I suppose, in itself isn't particularly unusual. Um, but he he hadn't been at work and he works remotely for an American company. And I emailed them and they were very concerned because like he's worked for them for six or seven years and he's never missed one meeting, uh, Brad, his, his boss said. So they were quite concerned as well. Like he'd always leave some kind of digital footprint somewhere and there was nothing. And his WhatsApp seemed to be down since like one eleven. My brother had spoke to him at 11 o'clock Sunday night, just kind of silly memes, you know, back and forth as you do. And I had been on to him earlier the evening doing the same thing. So my brother and his friend Pete were kind of the first who kind of raised the alarm. And then Michael sent me a message, my, my older brother, Mick, sorry, because he'll give out for calling him Michael in public. Um, Mick sent me a message that like he was just a bit concerned and like, where do we go from here? So look, we pushed it on and... I would want to mention like just a couple of people like um, mm. Inspector Sean McCarthy in Anglesey Street um, went above and beyond what, what anybody, anybody would do in kind of a missing person situation. But like when you're in a different country, it's very hard. And I was speaking with, um, I report him to, to the guards in Blarney and Conor Leary was a huge help out in Blarney Garda Station as well. Um, and But then trying to deal with Portuguese police was quite difficult. So um, as I said, Inspector Sean McCarthy kind of w- was a big help for us there as well. Um, and his friends and stuff in, in Portugal in terms of trying to get it reported over there as well. So um, it's, it was kind of since Tuesday morning mm. that it was kind of rolling on, you know, and um, you said in that kind of situation, every hour seems like like a year, to oh, be yeah, honest. Absolutely. Time um, stands still, doesn't it? Very much so, very much so. And I said, you look, I'm, I'm, I'm quite a positive person. And once we had his apartment checked and he wasn't there, I was kind of quite positive that, look, he's going to be all right and... So maybe he's gone off the young one or something. I don't know, but um, <laughs> kind of as time goes on, you're like, no, he wouldn't, and he'd always be in touch with one of us, you know. And even if it happened to lose a phone or something, mm. he'd be, he'd send someone a message a message somewhere. Um, would be fairly close, so he'd he'd have messaged one of us, like you know. And when no one had heard from him, it said it would it was it's incredibly out of character. Like, is the, is there a big language barrier between? where you all are here and where he is in hospital uh, do, do any of the hospital staff speak good English yeah good English like the doctor in the intensive care whom my wife spoke with yesterday had pretty much perfect English um, and obviously like I suppose there'll always be barriers in terms of even like understanding I suppose medically where we're at but thankfully for us another friend of his was happened to be on the way out um, um, Anthony who is a doctor himself so like he's going to be a huge help for them this weekend oh, yeah. now as well do you know to just kind of meander where we're at and things like that but they are keeping him sedated as he said but um look as hopefully he'll come out of it and look, he's he's good people around him and he was responding really really well um once he was hearing the voices he known because i suppose can you imagine like you're waking up you don't know what's happened and that's it like we don't know what happened so that's i saw something maybe we'll get clarity on over the coming days but like he had no phone on him no wallet um so like I don't know, he either fell and they were taken or they were taken and he fell, you know, that kind of way. So, yeah. look, we don't know. But, look, the main thing is he's okay. I suppose while I'm on with you, Gareth, if I could just ask one thing, someone out there might be able to help. Dennis mm-hmm. is has a European health card 
Um, and it's obviously in his wallet, which is now gone. Um, I had tried to go on to apply for a replacement one yesterday, but I couldn't. And we were kind of running up a, a, a lot, against a lot of brick walls um, because obviously with data protection and stuff, which I understand. But if anybody out there knew anything that could just give us a little dig out where we could just get the renewal or get even the number, they're just looking for that in the hospital, you know. Have you, have you given the Department of Foreign Affairs a call? Yeah, we have. Yeah. So they're they're helpful enough now as well, to be fair. So um, we're kind of crossing everything. But as I said, like these yeah. data protection <laughs> drives you slightly. Oh, la, la, God, yeah, absolutely. Look, hopefully someone out there might be able to just give us a dig out. I said it's just getting a number. Um, so hopefully we look and said maybe someone listening might might know where to point us. Where's the, or the right number to ring or, or yeah. something like that, you know? And maybe the Irish consulate in, in Lisbon might be worth getting in contact with. Yeah, my well, brother's you know? going to call there now yeah. again this morning, yeah. 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 Well, I think if he has got the health card, th- there's proof of that somewhere. And, and I think it's just a case of finding it. and uh, Just finding and, yeah, the number, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he's at, like he is on a ventilator, so obviously he's not incapable mm. of doing anything. So like it all yeah. has to be done for him. So yeah. Um, yeah, look as he said, we might get a helping hand somewhere from someone with that. Eileen, it's great news that he has been located and that he's in the best place and that he's been well looked after. And I really hope his recovery continues. Uh, and th- there are some lovely comments coming in as well, just to say best wishes and that uh, prayers are being said. I I, I always think that while. You know, we can be quite sceptical about the power of prayer, but when you're put in a situation where sometimes you think nothing else works, there's nothing else I can do here except say a prayer. So, you know, I definitely think um, there'll be a lot of special prayers and it'll be in a lot of people's thoughts today because it's something that when someone goes abroad and there is a language barrier and there's that distance and you don't know what they're doing from day to day, there's that constant worry, isn't there? There is, and like if I said, it's like my main purpose coming on here this morning was just to thank people. Like as you said, the power of prayer. I I would be like I probably don't have great faith myself, but I've seen like the solace it's given my mom and my aunts over the last few days, and it's it's incredible. And as I said, prayers, good thoughts, people sharing things on yeah. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, like yourselves, other Cork media outlets. You've all pushed it. You've all really rallied behind us in a time where we really really needed help and. I, I'm never going to have words that will be able to convey how grateful I am and just how genuinely touched I am. Every single member of my family are. Um, and as I said, if we can, I would like to think as a family, people would probably consider us helpful people anyway. But if we can ever do anything to help anybody, we we will do everything in our power too, because we genuinely have just been so moved and in what was an incredibly dark time and this real unknown, it's just little bits of hope that we mm. got from people and said the power of prayer, the power of good wishes. And look, obviously, as I said, a long road ahead, but positive signs. And as I said, God willing, that, that he, he will make a full recovery and yeah. I'll be able to wring his neck when I see him, do you know? <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully the beard will protect it. <laughs> <laughs> Great to talk to you, Eileen, and it's such good news for Friday and for the week that you've been through. So um, please pass on our very best wishes to um, to your mum and to the whole family there. I will do. Thank you so much, Gareth. Thank I appreciate you, everything. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. Have a good weekend. Eileen Ring there. Uh, as PJ mentioned during the week, her brother Dennis had gone missing in Portugal, but he's been located. He's in intensive care in uh, one of the hospitals in Lisbon. I think it's Lisbon. And... Um, there's a, a family group heading out to him today to be with him over the weekend. But he's uh, he's in a coma, but uh, the doctors, as I say, are keeping a very close eye on him. And I'm sure PJ will bring you up to date 
on that next week. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie now, uh, just talking there to Eileen Ring about her brother Dennis who has been located in Portugal and she was just talking about how important social media, the role social media played in his sighting. It was actually uh, a young lady uh, who saw it on the socials. That was the breakthrough, a girl in Portugal actually. Um, and it's it's kind of coincidental in that Facebook turns 20 this weekend. That's right, Mark Zuckerberg's Figuring figuring out what's next. Uh, he's a multi, multi, multi billionaire. But um, he's been steering the ship since he co-founded it almost 20 years ago. Still firmly in control, however, and has been making long-term bets on trends like the metaverse and artificial intelligence, which aren't cheap and by no means guarantee jackpots either. But certainly Facebook has been a big jackpot for him. I remember when it started. I've no idea how many people use Facebook But if you look at the United States, the police in America, in all of the states in America, will say Facebook locates more missing people, particularly missing children, than they are capable of doing. And as Eileen attested to there in relation to her brother Dennis, it's somebody spotting somebody based on a small piece you put up on Facebook with a photograph. And these are instantly you know, absorbed into the brain. You see a photograph of somebody who's missing. And the whole missing aspect of that sends a a sort of a sense of distress to the brain and and that into the the sort of the limbic region of the brain and it lodges there. So even though you might only see the photograph once, it's, it's indelibly left marked on your brain. So when you see someone, either the individual who's missing or someone who's who looks similar to them, you instantly recall the photograph you've seen. And they say now, that psychologists are saying that this is why Facebook particularly has become so, so relevant. Many of the police forces throughout the States uh, use Facebook. They actually have dedicated Facebook pages that they use for missing persons. And they encourage people to contribute to them. And uh, it's just an extraordinary you know, way, way things work that this whole idea of you see the photograph it's instantly stamped on your brain so effectively from maybe hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people or hundreds of thousands of people who've seen that photograph, somebody is quite likely to see that person and that's how so many people, particularly young children, very very young children as old as three, four, five years of age are located and many of them return safely to their families Anyway, happy birthday, Facebook. Um, Not so sure about X, formerly known as Twitter. I think the jury's out on that one, that's for sure. Uh, It just seems to be falling further and further and further into the gutter, that's for sure. Now, um, uh, the the, the situation in relation to Palestine, it it might not be making the front pages of the newspaper, the, the newspapers at the moment, but it's certainly very much full out there in the front of most people's minds and priorities and that. And marches and public gatherings in support of Palestine continue across Cork every week for months now. Mary contacted the show and feels some of the comments going around about Palestine are very, very uneducated. Uh, Mary, good morning to you. Good morning, Gareth. How are you? Very well, thank you. I'm delighted you've raised this subject because I think... 
for so many people, particularly of a younger age and a newer generation, uh, the conflict in Palestine for them only began on the 7th of October, which is far from the truth, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. Um, the The conflict really began in 19, the 1948 Nakba, and um, where 7,000 people had to flee their homes. 15,000 Palestinians were killed by the Zionist State of Israel. That's when Israel came to be, really, you know. Um, they illegally occupied the land and the homes. Um, and since then, since for the past 70-odd years, for decades, they've segregated the Palestinian people. Um, they've built illegal settlements, which are uh, which violate Article 49 of the International Law of the Fort Geneva Convention. Um and since October 7th, they're, and, and for decades, they've been ethnically cleansing the Palestinian people and illegally occupying their land. Um, I just, you know, when I heard on, um, like, there was a common past that basically it was their own fault on the 7th of October. Um, I suppose what I'm trying to get across is that, um, you know, um, people, the, the Palestinian people have been living under oppression um, it would be like somebody coming up to your house, knocking on your door and saying, hello there, this is my house now. I'm moving in, get out, you know. And this is what's been going on for decades and decades, you know. Um, the amount of the, like there's over 33,000 people murdered, I would say, killed since October 7th. Um, you know, um, uh, 13,000 children over 13,000 children now, you know, uh, 7,060 women. Um, you know, like they've killed journalists. They've, well, they've murdered journalists. They've murdered um, healthcare professionals. And these are all violations of international law, you know. And my problem is that we should not have any dealings with Israel. Um, we had a chance in 2019. Um, the Occupy Territories Bill w- was passed by government, but still hasn't been enacted. It was blocked by a Cork TD. Um, I won't name him. Um, Like denying food, water and electricity is a war crime and it violates international law. And um, I don't think people are are aware of all this. You know, I spoke at a rally there. There's a rally in Middleton every Sunday at two Mm o'clock. And I spoke at it last week. And one of the ladies involved said she wasn't aware of the situation until she got involved with the group, you know. There's also a rally every Saturday in the city centre at one o'clock. Um, and to, uh, tomorrow in Yall, there's a vigil at um, 12. And um, and there's other, in other towns, you know, um, as well, you know. And like, I just think we have to be aware when we're shopping. We have to support the BDS movement. Which, which is the boycott movement. Um, like when I go shopping, I check all fresh produce to see where it originated. Originated. If it originated in Israel, I will bring it to the manager. Um, I've done it out in um, Lidl in Bandon because they sell these products, these baby products really, which are ironic when they're murdering babies. The loopy loop uh, baby products are made in Israel. And I did bring them to the manager there uh, about two years ago. So that's like, that's, you know, I just wanted to make people aware it didn't happen on October 7th. This is going on for decades and decades, you know. Um, it, it, Gaza has been described as the largest open air 
prison in the world, you know. Mm. And, I, I think and just, like, just to put it in perspective as well, if I can, uh, Gaza yeah. is the same size as County Louth. Exactly, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the smallest and there's over. Have. Yeah, there's over, like, there's there was over two million people living there, you know. And squat, like, if you wanted to get from, even like from your house to your land, you had to go through a checkpoint, which could, which could take you hours and hours and hours. You weren't, you're not allowed to walk down certain areas. And like for me, Israel is an illegal occupier, you know. Um, mm. If you go in and steal someone's land, do you, do you know, when you, which has been happening, you know. Um, the West Bank then, you know, there wasn't much talk, or like, you know, it was all concentrated on Gaza. But even when the ceasefire was on, they were still murdering people in the West Bank. You know, there was over 370 people murdered and over 3,000 injured. And this was during the ceasefire there, you know, recently. Yeah. And um, it, it's just, I, I like, they're being armed by the, the US, they're being armed by the UK and Germany would be the three main suppliers of their arms, you know. And there's billions being spent on this. And, um, like, I'm a pacifist, I believe in peace, you know. And... Um, I just can't, I can't understand why it took until October 7th for people to realise what was going on there. And I know you just mentioned Facebook there a while ago. Um, I suppose in one in one sense, the, the platform of Facebook is bringing it to people, you know. And, um, and as well, people talk about, oh, if you mention Palestine, oh, Hamas, Hamas. Um, this is going on since 1948. Hamas were, were formed in 1987. Mm. So they they still had decades, you know, you know, you know. I don't believe in violence in any way, shape, or form. Before I before I say any more, you know, um, but I do believe we have to be careful when we're like. I don't believe we should be attending the Eurovision if if Israel are, are there, um, and you know that the group would would agree with that, you know. Um, there are certain barcodes we can look out for. Can I mention those? Yeah, yeah. in relation to which now. Uh, in, in in relation to Israeli products, or anybody any and any um, products um, affiliated, and that their taxes would go to to the Israeli government, you know. Well, I think can I just say something in relation to yeah. identifying barcodes and brands? I think you're coming down to a very small percentage in relation to the size of the picture that we're discussing here. Oh, I know, yeah. I know. But I, I, I'm just saying what we as people can do here. Do you know what I mean? As one, like somebody said to me, what can I do? And I said, well, you can do this. And, you know, I told them, you know, you boycott, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, but can, can I also just say here that, you know, by doing so, and I'm, can I just say also, I'm fully in support of everything you've just said. Fully in support. Yeah. But yeah. I, I just think that by narrowing it down to identifying specific retail products and barcodes, that that's also having an impact on Irish people who are selling those products. Is that not unfair? Who might not, um, be, who might not be aware of this, Mary? Yeah, well, I can see, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you there, but like, 
the, the companies are multi-millionaires, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but, um, but the retailers here are not. That's, that's, that's in fairness and, yeah, and you yeah. know, in their defence, the, you know, they may be popular brands that that they generate their 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 profit from to a degree. But I, I just think identifying yeah. specific brands of sweets and, and clothes and things like that, that's not helpful. On, on a greater scale here, that's not helpful because it's not helping small retailers. Would you agree with that? Um... Well, personally, I wouldn't buy anything from Israel. Um, no, I'm just no, speaking no. And, for myself and, now. Yeah, and there's 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 a, there's a there's a logic there too in relation to the bigger picture. But I think refusing to buy products or even identifying popular products that might be big sellers in small retail shops here in Cork City and yeah. County, I, I don't think that's helping our own economy here. To be to be honest with you, well. I'm sure there are substitutes that aren't made in Israel. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> do you know, yeah. that's the way I would look at it. I won't buy anything from Israel. Oh, okay. Nothing. But, but then can, um, can, we, can we just steer away from that just for a second? And yeah, let's, yeah, let's come yeah. back to talking about the bigger picture in terms of what we can do on a bigger scale. Like clearly the government here is dragging its heels on so many levels. It why, is. why is that? Um. Uh, why, why is it? Um, I'm not sure about that. I, I just think we, we have local elections coming up and when they knock on the door, ask them. Do you know what I mean? And they will knock on the door, the door for votes. I think we should be asking them where, where they stand on Palestine. What will they do to enact the Occupied Territories Bill? Um, and um, And make your choice then. And, you know, a change of government might be good, you know. Um, I think they've had years and years looking at this, you know, um, the minister, the TD I'm talking about, which I shouldn't probably name. No, I'd prefer, um, if, you, I'd prefer if you wouldn't. Ac- yeah, yeah. Actually went to Israel and told the Israeli prime minister that, um, you know, it's all over newspapers. Do you know what I mean? That he actually went there to say that um, the bill was passed, but they would not be enacting it, you know. Mm. And this is what you're dealing with in government. Um, I think there is a lot more support from people on the ground now because the rallies have multiplied. Do you know what I mean? Is There's this, one in every way, can town. I, can I just ask you, is this, a, yeah. is this a very senior member of cabinet? Yes. Oh, right. And would have been at the time. I think we yeah, <laughs> yeah. we know who you're talking about there. So you're saying it's in a terms court, of... TD. Yeah. <laughs> and, a, and a very senior government cabinet TD as well. It would be, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, mm, okay, um, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to come back. See, there, there are so many tentacles to this issue. Um, and, yeah. and I think, in, in, with, with great respect to you, I think there's so much that we can do at the level we're at, at grassroots level, that I think government, because they're so desperate to stay in government at the moment, are probably not yes. concentrating on. So are you saying that perhaps a Sinn Féin government w- would, would be helpful in this, in this, chaos, in this, this situation? Um, yes, I think most definitely. And any of the other... Uh, TDs and parties that would support the the Occupied Territories Bill and Palestine. Um, it can't go on like Garrett, you know, it, mm. it, it's heartbreaking really, oh, you know. God, yeah. um, you know, it, it like looking at the videos, looking at the people, the children, you know, their legs, their hands blown off, they're burned to the skin from white phosphorus bombs, 
that are totally illegal as well that Israel have been using, you know. And well, it, it is it's heartbreaking, you know, yeah. as as a mother, as a mother and a grandmother, it's like, it's heartbreaking, you know, mm. uh, to see these little babies crying and, you know, being displaced even, you know, um, it, you know, it, it really can't go on. Something has to give, you know. Um, and from like the only way we uh, that's what I'm like why I'm saying stop buying the Israeli products the only way to do it is hit them in the pocket you know what I mean really you yeah, know but the, the, and once again the, the only reason I'm, I'm saying we won't actually identify products yeah. is that you, you know you're putting retailers at risk where you you could eventually get protesters walking into shops demanding retailers to actually remove these products from you know cabinets and, and from the shop I want to bring Jen Ford in hi Jen Hi, Gareth. How are you? Jen, you've been listening to Mary, and um, I know you feel very, very similar to all mm-hmm. that we've been chatting about this morning. How do you feel this morning? Yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I, I've been listening to everything that you've said, and Mary, I couldn't agree more with what you've been saying. Um, yep. And Gareth, I, I guess just to come in as well on the small retailers part, and um, I appreciate the concerns that, you know, like if boycotting Israeli products that it could harm small retailers, but I would say that if, if small retailers' profit margins are dependent on Israeli products, then, you know, I think they need to be encouraged to diversify their, their product base in that. Yeah. And then also with supply and demand, um, if, if a product is is taken away, that creates an opportunity for maybe an Irish retailer to come in and replace the product in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with the, B, the BDS movement, it's so important. And I like from talking to different people and that, you know, I think there's a disconnect in realizing the opportunity that BDS creates for putting pressure on the government. So, like, you know, what what, what can one individual do in that? But if we look at the BDS movement um, and how it originated, you know, it was the actions of working class women um, working for Duns in the 80s that actually led to the government banning the import of South, South African goods. So it is impactful. It can do things. And collect, collective action is so important when when trying to implement a change here. Right. Okay. Well, do you know what? I, I'll tell you what. I'm. I'm. I'm very curious about the identity of these products. But what I'd like you to do, which is, if we can just, if if you could let us have them, and then maybe I can, I, I can mention them a little later, because we just want to cross check and make sure that they are, mm-hmm. that they are Israeli products. Um. Of course, you know, and 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 I would say as well, Gareth, there, there is actually like really, um, there's two apps as well that can help identify, um, to, right. to help identify products, and you could use those on an individual basis. Okay, well, I what, 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 are the, what are the names of those, Jen? Um, I don't have it to hand there. Okay. No, I have it on my phone, but I, I I can share it with you all later, and um, yeah. if if you wouldn't mind sharing it on on the show, um, I'm trying to find it now on my phone because I have it, but I just and I don't know what the name is. That's okay. I can yeah. give it a little mention yeah. a, a little later. Mary, you, you, were, you were saying that there's um, there's a protest every week in Middleton, isn't that right? Yeah, at two o'clock on Sunday, and and um, there's one, of course, in the city. Of one every Saturday, and um, there's other regional ones then in Skibbereen, Bandon, um, Cove, Carrigaline, um, on different days of the week. Sorry, I don't have them in front of me now. But um, it's just people just to show your support, you know. Um, you know, this is about humanity, you know. Uh, people need to, um, and as I say, a lot of people don't don't realise, and I suppose my, my, my initial comment was a bit harsh, and, um, uneducated, but, you know, um, I just, 
I just feel people don't realize because it's not, it's a very biased uh, mainstream media, really. You know, they show what they have to show. I think there's and a huge not level, what's I, actually happening on the ground, you yeah, know. I, I, you know, in fairness, Mary, you're right. I mean, there is a huge level of ignorance out there. I mean, yeah, people, yeah. people really do need yeah. to educate themselves in relation to what is going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and by yeah. the way, can I just recommend, there's a, a brilliant book uh, which I've read and I, I highly recommend it. It's by Rashid Khalidi. It's called The Hundred Years' War on Palestine. Um, right. It's an yeah. absolutely amazing book. Uh, History of Settler Colonial Conquest and Resistance, which really is what's going on, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, it is, yeah. Totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. John, John in Coves uh, just texted us. He says, do, boy- do boycotts really accomplish anything? Is it not a lot more effective to go out there yourself? And if you cannot join the fight, at least you could provide some humanitarian help or something. Well, whatever about well, go- going out there and joining the fight, do you really think boycotts accomplish anything? I, 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 sorry to jump in, Gareth, but I, I, I think just it's been proven that boycotts work. By, by the actions yeah. of the, the workers who've done stores in the 80s. That, mm. that is a fact, and it did put pressure on the government, and it did lead to them ban the import of South African goods in 1987, and apartheid ended soon after in relative terms. And in relation to John's comment about going out, out there and helping and providing humanitarian aid, um, I don't know if he's aware or not, but nobody can get in or out of Gaza at the moment. So that, yeah. that point is, is a, a moot point, to be fair. I think that is isn't the Rafa crossing into Egypt is closed again. I, I believe so, and that's, yeah. that's apparently Israel said yesterday. I think that it's, it's their new target, um, and I just wanted to weigh in as well, just on the awareness piece. Um, and you know, I think like and as you spoke about Facebook earlier as well, Gareth, and what's on Instagram and what's on TikTok, we really. Genocide is happening right in front of our eyes, we, you know, and I think we have a responsibility to to tune into it and to try and do all that we can to it. And like, there's so much information available out there. That book that you spoke of, but then you know, like I, I watched a report the other day, and going back to what Mary said as well, you know, with the Nakba in 1948, but going back to say 1993, and particularly in the West Bank as well, there was a photographer, Patrick Baz, mm-hmm. um, and two of his photos won award. I think it was like a, a, that year's photography award. And it just showed the Israeli military, I think, I believe it was the IOF in, in the West Bank, aiming machine guns at children. They, it, it, there's, there's policies that have been spoken about by the UN, by Save the Children, um, by Amnesty International. There's been reports done in The Guardian and the BBC that Israeli policies are shoot to kill and shoot to maim. It's, it's, I, I'm, I, I just I'm feel so passionately that we, yeah. we can't turn away from this. We have to do something about it and boycott do absolutely work. When when people started boycotting Puma, they withdrew their um, their support from the Israeli football yeah. team. That works. It works. It, we, we have to believe in it. It works. Okay. Jen Ford, thank you so much. Um, I, I've really enjoyed chatting to both of you this morning and, and to Mary and uh, best wishes with that protest in, in Middleton. It's nice to talk to the two of you. Thank you so much. Thanks, we'll, Gareth. Thank you. We'll come back to that a little bit later. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie. Coach 96 FM. 
there, Troy Tuberty here. Be part of my new adventure this Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Cork's 96 FM. I'd have something for everyone with a mixture of conversation, laughter, and great music. Talk to you this Sunday from 10 a.m. The Ryan Tuberty Show on Sunday in association with High and I. For every kind of driver, there's a High and I. Find yours at highandi.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Yesterday morning, and I was gripped by this conversation. Um, PJ discussed people's difficulties getting taxis with Senator Tim Lombard and with Cork's taxi drivers. And Martin contacted us with a few points after talking things over with some of his taxi colleagues. And he's on the line now. Morning, Martin. Good morning, Garrett. Um, I have to say, and I know you were listening yesterday morning, um, like, and I can understand so many taxi drivers are enraged by the situation they find themselves in at the minute, which is so diverse and so complicated, it's almost difficult to follow. But can you just, just for everyone listening who might not have heard yesterday's conversation, can you quickly just take us back over what the gist of it was and how it arose? Well, um... Senator Tim Lombard, um, the, 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 he, of his own doing, I think Tim is on a solo run here, like, and he formed um, what he called uh, a Taxis for Ireland coalition, and they did a survey, and and he had and and they had a meeting yesterday morning in um, in in Leinster House, I believe, and mm-hmm. he brought it up in the dial or whatever. And there was no what outraged all the taxi drivers was that um, there was no. There was representatives from two um, app companies, Bolt and Uber. And I mean, I don't know why he didn't get one with Freenow, because Freenow is the biggest one in Cork, and, 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 and it's the most popular one in Cork. You could ask any of your listeners there, mm-hmm. and I bet you any money they will, they will say it is Freenow. And um, but what, what aggravated all the, the taxi drivers, including myself, was that there was no driver, driver representative. And then at that meeting, and the outcome of that meeting was um, that uh, Tim Lumber came on came on your show then, and he said that um, uh, Bolt were saying that up to fifty percent of um, jobs offered by Bolt between Friday afternoon, I think, and Saturday night were not taken up. But what I would say to Bolt is fifty percent of what? Fifty percent of twenty jobs. Fifty percent of twenty jobs is only you know. Bolt is. I've I've yet to come across a passenger in my car that does in that has the Bolt app downloaded. I've, they are very I've, small, I've, and I've, and, I've and they're just trying. Yeah, never heard of it, and I use free now. The only yeah, well, the only you probably heard the UCN. Yeah, that's the only Bolt. Uh, that's the only <laughs> Bolt that interests me. Is UCN. <laughs> Classic. Are they going to be faster? Are they going to be faster than him with their taxis? I doubt it somehow. Are they going to stay as long in the business as he? <laughs> but you see, all they're looking for is yeah. a share of the market, the same as Uber looking for a share of the market. And I won't go into detail of what uh, Paul, the taxi driver, came on after um, Tim numbered yesterday mm. and said, like because he went through the the difficulties with Uber, and uh, you know they just come into place, take it over, and then they decimate the taxi industry that's already there. Yeah. So anyway. My point is that, um, like Tim, I, I I was on your sister show one or three of him about a month ago, mm-hmm. uh, discussing Uber. The Tim Tim Senator Tim. Oh, by the way, I am a neighbour of Tim Numbers, and that's why I have a big concern. Not alone being a taxi driver, but I'm a neighbour of Tim Numbers in Manandbridge, mm-hmm. and I have no problem with Tim, and I presume he has no problem with me. But he hasn't he hasn't returned my calls in the last few days, and we could have spoken about it. 
And I was very disappointed when I heard, like, he's a senator with, I don't know how many years, but I've had, probably had a few issues maybe in the last four or five years with maybe signs outside my house and maybe getting flooded a few years previously to that. And in fairness, I know, couldn't fault the man. He engaged with me and came down and looked at my problem. And I can't say there was anything done, but look, it's hard to get anything done in Cock County Council, as you know, or, you know, whatever, we're in the, out in um, Minan Bridge. But I like the introduction that Tim gave yesterday to, to PJ. He mm-hmm. said, um, if I'm in, PJ said, you're from Minan Bridge. And he said, I am, yeah, I'm a tracting man. And, and Tim is a pro-tracting man. And I'm a pro-tracting man. But I was very disappointed with Tim that I went to him a few times for um, for advice on, um, because he's the only man with authority in our area, the nearest man with authority in as regards authority, you know, in the, in the Senate. And mm. Doyle, or, well, not Doyle, but he obviously he has Doyle inclinations. And I thought this a, a few months ago when he was... Um, he was mad on about Uber and everything. He had, an, he, had a, he had an article in the Southern Star. So that prompted me to call Patricia, your, your sister, sister station here, mm-hmm. Patricia, a messenger. And um, Tim was bullying for U- Uber. But um, I know he came on and I explained a few things about Uber. But look, that's history there and all that's done. But I thought it was after getting through to Tim about this. Um, and I didn't think there would be much more about it. But obviously, uh, as I think... Um, um, Bobby Lynch there uh, 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 that did Trojan work for taxi drivers over the years um, he, he summed it up when he said um, that um, you know it, that there should have been a driver at that and Tim Numbers need, need, that he needed to be educated and, and like, I'm surprised that Tim to go on uh, to go about that but it's obvious to me and all the taxi drivers I got, I got six or seven phone calls yesterday I didn't hear it live I downloaded it on the podcast about um uh, at about a couple of hours later as soon as it came up. I, do, I I listened to it on the podcast and I'm after listen to it three or four times. The, the podcasts are handy, and um, but like Tim Tim was totally you know he's on a, he's on a solo run here. It is obvious that he he's looking for votes and it's obvious it's an election year. Yeah, and he had Liam Edwards Martin, Martin, I'm going to be late for news, and I don't want to be late. Will, will you stay with me because I just want to talk to you for another five minutes, if that's possible. I want to just. Talk I will, of course. About, I will, of course. You know, what about the potential of a brand new app that maybe you know a Cork taxi app specifically for drivers, and also in relation to the whole oh, yeah. history of. I will, I will. I have a bit to say about that. I have a bit to say about that. Good man. Okay, okay stay where you are, Martin. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with the Furniture Centre Water. Course Road Blackpool for sofas, beds, kitchen, dining, and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. The Furniture Center. The minds are mine. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mine with PJ Coogan. Coach 96FM. Now, Gareth here for PJ. He'll be back with you on Tuesday. And it's bank holiday weekend, so please be careful on the roads. And it's just something I'm going to come back to a little later because I think it's, it's, it's on weekends like this considering what's after happening in Carlo over the last couple of days, that awful, awful tragedy. Three young people uh, just gone in, in a matter of seconds. It, it just, it, it beggars belief. But we'll come back to that whole RSA, Road Safety Association and Garda call for better safety 
and better care on the roads this weekend a little later. Yesterday morning, um, as I was mentioning there just before the news at 10, PJ was discussing people's difficulties getting taxis with Senator Tim Lombard and with a number of Cork's taxi drivers, including Bobby Lynch. And Martin contacted us with a few points after talking things over with some of his taxi colleagues. And I, I didn't want to say goodbye to you there, Martin, because I, I want to talk to you, if I can, uh, about the whole issue of getting taxis at night. Quite a number of people are saying that it can be very, very random and prices can be very, very d- different as well. Do you, do you, you know, having talked to your colleagues, is that the case? Is this a subject you talk about? Well, well, well um, Gareth, to go back to Christmas, I walked 10 out of the 12 nights over Christmas. The only two nights I didn't walk was Christmas Eve night and Christmas Christmas Day night. If I if I told the wife I was walking any of them nights, I'd I'd, I'd probably be sleeping in the garage. You know, I'd, I'd be thrown out. Mm-hmm. But um, I, and and out of them, ten nights that I walked, only three nights were busy. There's Friday and Saturday night before Christmas, very busy. And and look. People need a bit of patience. I think in today's world, Garrett, I don't know, you, might, you may or may not agree with me, but people, you know, they're leading very busy lives. There's a lot going on in their lives, and, and, and they, they, they seem to want things at the click of a fingers. You know, they seem to want things pretty. There was a lot more patience before, in my opinion. And you have to understand when we can't get everyone home in, in a couple of hours, um, you know, on a busy Saturday night. But mm. anyway... The, the the three nights were the out of the seven um that I, out of the ten that I walked three busy nights the Friday and the Saturday before Christmas and the Saturday night before New Year's Eve and the other seven nights Gareth that I walked there was more taxis on the street than people Are and you, that is is, is that and by the way I'd agree with you Martin I think we're living in a generation now where we can't keep up with our own breathing uh, like we're, we're, it's it's just it's astonishing how. How um, impatient people are. I fully agree with you. Well, St. Stephen's is night. When I remember when, you know, I was younger, St. Stephen's is night was definitely a night to, to go on the town and that. Is it the case now? Big night? Yeah. No, St. Stephen's night has gone with a long time. Really? St. Stephen's night, oh, massively. I walk Stephen's night and only I'm on the Free Now app and I'm not here. I'm Free Now and paying me to come on here to this, but uh, come on here to this program. I'm here of my own free will. And and I I just I mentioning free now. I'm twelve years on the taxis now. I'm relatively I'm relatively a new taxi driver because there are fellows in thirty and forty and like Bobby Lynch and all. But the mistake I think that I'd agree with everything that most things that Bobby Lynch said. But I think the first year I was taxing in two thousand and eleven or twelve, I was walking on the streets and the and the and the ranks and. I had to pin the end of the rank and flag downs. And I knew I had to do something because I was walking very long hours, 60, 70, 80 hours some weeks, and, and to get a, an acceptable wage. And I knew I had to do something. So I was thinking of joining a base, and I, I this this this, free, this app came out called Halo. Mm. And it was the best thing, a fellow telling me, it seemed to be the best thing since size pen. And he said, if you won't join it, you'll be lucky at the rest of us walking. And a couple of a couple of days later, I had students in the car, and they said, um, "They said, uh, I see you're you're not on the free no app, are you? Or on the on the Halo app? That's the way to go. We don't ring bases anymore." They said because uh, we can see in the phone where where you're coming from and everything. Yeah. So I joined up, and I haven't looked back since. It it was Halo for three or four years. The, 
it was a German company, I think. Then they amalgamated. They called it uh, Free. Uh, they called it uh, My Taxi. And about four or five years ago, it changed to Free Now. But the point I'm making is, I would prefer to have been with a local. The the all the all the satellites, the Sun taxis, the Cock taxi co-ops. I've great time for all of them. I meet drivers from them all, but they were too slow and moving to a nap. They moved about five years too late or six. I, if the, what, what should have happened, as I said, I was only new at the time, but I was surprised that I said it to a few fellas, rather than giving our money to a German crowd, why not? Uh, why didn't all the taxi companies come together at the time? I'm talking about 10, 10, 10 years ago now, mm. 2020, uh, 2014 maybe. 13. If all the taxi bases, as I said, mentioned all the names there, if they all came together, and formed a cock taxi app. I went straight to them. I prefer supporting my local, you know, I support my local GA team, I support my local, my, my, my local cock county team and everything. You know so so, so <clears throat> why, why hasn't that happened, Martin? Because I think I was no one to see at the time and I just thought that it was madness that it didn't. You can't stop progress in any, in any walk of life. Yeah. And, I heard it from the younger generation. That I heard it from the from the the students. I used to do Thursday nights to try and make up make up uh, weeks' wages. I used to do Tuesdays and Thursday nights. That's when the students' nights going out, and they told me you're mad if you don't go into that. We don't ring bases anymore. Mm. And I said, why not? Because they say they'll be there in five minutes, and it could be uh, ten minutes, and they could be twenty minutes, or they mightn't turn up at all. No, I'm not here to knock bases. No, I'm but, not no, here. I want to join a base. It's a very valid point because I, I am an elderly man who lives close to me. Now we were getting a taxi for him the other day. He was going into town, and um, we we rang the company. Um, and the company said, yeah, we'll be there in about 20, 30 minutes. Now, it turned out it was, I think, closer to an hour, but that was because there had been an accident and there also had been extremely heavy rain which brought traffic to a standstill. So, well, that's, I mean, that, isn't, isn't that could that happen case? with the app as well. Yeah, well, well that's, happen with the app as well. But, but presumably with the app, you can see that there's going to be a delay, can't you? You can see, yeah, yeah. And, and and you can ring the person. Uh, like, that's great that you, both you have the details. I had all this with... Um, with Patricia about a month ago. But I'll repeat some of it. Um, I don't think they all eventually got apps of their own. Mm. And, and that's that's bizarre. They were just far too late. I mean, like, if you get a taxi above in Dublin, you, a driver might have four or five apps. And there's some fellas in Cork have two or three apps. I've only the one app. I don't need any more. I'm happy with the app I have, Free Now. But I'm not here to promote Free Now. But, um, like, um, the... Like if if, if um, Bobby said that the free now is 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 is, is intercepting uh, jobs and and is, is, we pay a fifteen percent commission and I think that I think that's acceptable. You get a, you get a lot more work and I do turn off. So Bobby is right. I do turn off the the app at when the people start coming out in the street. Yeah. But as I said, the the, the twelve nights, the ten nights I walked over Christmas. If I didn't have the app, I'd have been gone home. I'd been gone home. I, I came out at eight o'clock. I'd been gone home at ten o'clock because there was absolutely nothing happening, and I was I, I was three and four o'clock before I got home because I was on the app. And there's nobody can fault me for that. But I think the cock taxi drivers that were there with cock taxi companies that were there with thirty and forty years, they slipped up badly. That they, you have to, you can't stop progress. You have to go with the flow. Mm. You have to go. You know, you can't be living yeah. in the past. The days, I mean, 
they proved it now all the bases are gone and caught because only one or two left That's maybe right. three and but there is a place for the bases still in, in towns. And that's the point that I would like to say now. What do you call it? it uh, just a few more quick points, and I promise I won't keep you much longer, Gareth. Um, <laughs> that's okay, um, I, 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 um As I said, I'm not here to knock the, the no. bases, and I'm not here to knock uh, Tim Lumber either. I, uh, I had a good relationship with Tim Lumber up to maybe a month ago, but yeah. I'd say he probably didn't like me um, intervening with the... With the, with the with the Uber. I, I know, but, but just come back like, to the couple of points now because I'm interested to hear what these are. Alright. Um, Tim Lumber was on about uh, uh, a new app coming in or something like that. Oh, mm. yeah. We, don't, we won't mention any names. No. Um, and he said, and and with modern technology, the part, um, uh, the, the taxis, if, uh, uh, if, there, if there's any problem, they have a safety, they'll have a safety device in them. Uh, if they're not moving, um, the alarm will go off. Well, I was talking to a man in Kinsale, and I was uh, a Kins- walking in Kinsale, a taxi driver, and he said to me that the fucking alarm, excuse the language, sorry, sorry about it, sorry, the alarm will be going off the whole time because you won't be moving on a Saturday or Saturday night because there'll be no jobs, there's no jobs there. Right. Okay. You, and the other to... point is, okay. Um, Tim was on about that he can't get it. Uh, um, first of all, I want to, I want to congratulate PJ Cogan on his excellent quizzing uh, of Tim Lombard. Yes. Excellent. Mm. I, I give I give him 10 out of 10. Okay, and, just enough, and, about, uh, enough about Tim, if we can. And sorry for saying it like that, but it's just, I, I know there are a couple of valid points that you've made one of them, and the, the, the next point, okay. and this is, yeah. The next point is Bobby Lynch brought up, the Bobby Lynch brought up um, uh, a great servant of, of, of Cork Taxis, and he brought up about uh, the six-mile radius. Mm. Like, uh, there was, I, I, as I said, I'm only in taxis for 12 years, but the, the the six mile radius was in, he said, about, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 years ago, I don't know how long ago. And that if they were in towns, he said, Bobby Lynch said that, that there's taxi drivers now coming from Bantry and, and Castletown Bear up to, up to the city yeah. um, on weekends, the busy weekends, and then there have no taxis in. So look, that's one way of salvage. He said, mm. that is the answer to it. But I, I probably increased the six-mile radius. I applied for a license in, in, in Bantry and, and I increased it to maybe 10-mile 10, 10, 10 radius. Right. Do you know okay. what? Give a fella somebody to leave it. Yeah. Okay, and, Martin, and the I'm, other one, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to leave it there, but if we'll, take a, we'll take a number. Can I just say one more thing? Can very, I just very, say very, one more 30 thing? seconds, that's about it. One more thing. Tim said that he'd have to ring his mother to collect him from the overdraft. That's five minutes walk. All right? Right. Thanks, Dallas. Thank you very much, Martin. Thank you. Uh, okay, thank you. Um, Dave says, I got a free now app at Christmas. Uh, or taxi, should I say. Free now uh, taxi. The driver said the card machine didn't work and made me go to the bank for cash. I was very suspicious because it was a good Wi-Fi area and he said the Wi-Fi wasn't working. Subsequently, people told me the same happened to him. I reckon some free now taxis are just taking cash. That's from Dave. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre. Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining, and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecenter.ie. I was coming out of the City Library on Grand Parade on Wednesday, and I'd say it was probably close to 2 30 in the afternoon. I'd been doing a little bit of work because I find it's a, it's a great location to do a little bit of work in in the mornings when it's nice and quiet. Although I don't think it's ever quiet. But I was crossing Grand Parade to head down Oliver Plunkett Street. And I noticed a number of people standing around 
just up from the library towards Patrick Street in that great big wide open concourse there just before Washington Street Junction. And I stopped and turned around and four guys were standing in the square boxing the daylights out of each other. Literally full on thumping each other. One would go down on his back and then another guy would come over and hit him a dig and then he'd manage to get to his feet again and he'd lash out at the guy who hit him and put him down. And... It was just a free-for-all, and it was the most extraordinary thing to watch. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it, and I have seen some fights that have been caused by either agitators or as a result of something happening. But this wasn't a brawl. This looked like a well-executed boxing match uh, among four young fellas. And then when they were finished, they all just went their separate ways. Extraordinary. The reason I'm telling you is because... um, One Cork City councillor who also works in a youth setting has expressed huge concern over what he has said is an increase in organised fights taking place in areas of the city. Um, Have a little listen to this. In fact, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll come back to it in a moment because I want to just say hello to Councillor Mick Flynn who's on the phone to me now. Morning to you, Mick. Good morning, Gareth. Mick, um, I have to say, it, it caught my breath when I saw that on Wednesday, watching these guys, and they were full at it. I mean, these guys, this wasn't just um, uh, a kind of a, friend, a friendly pushing match or anything like that. These guys, it looked as if it had been well planned. Yeah, and I mean, your point there is kind of it was almost hidden in plain sight. It was on, on, on kind of Patrick Street Grand Parade. Um, whereas the stories that I'm hearing locally is that these are happening in a kind of in own area that's off the beaten track. And I suppose the concern there is that there's probably nobody to intervene. Um, and I'm not sure if anybody intervened or if there was any guardie around, you know, when the incident happened that you speak of. But I suppose the concern for me and, you know, when I heard about a particular incident, maybe about a fortnight ago, I've been contacted since all day yesterday with text messages to say that this is a regular occurrence um, in the south side and the north side where you have gangs of kind of older teens uh, travelling for organised fights. And to me, you know, it's hugely worrying. Um, The incident, uh, you know, in the kind of southwest side of the city resulted in a a young lad getting um, very severe facial injuries because, as you know, as I mentioned in the newspaper, they're using these knuckle rings. Mm -hmm. Um, And I suppose my fear is that, you know, these organised fights, over whatever reason, are going to lead to something very serious. And, like, to the best of your knowledge, have you any idea why they're taking place is it a confrontational thing is is it a, a tribal turf war is it what do you think yeah i think it's probably the tribal turf war is an element of it um there are obviously issues with drugs and with you know people getting into debt and stuff like that as well you know, which is widespread um you know and I, I think with one of the worries for me you know and for, for and for parents is that you have people outside of maybe that scene just being dragged into it by attending these fights and they can all of a sudden be involved in it and, and may have went as onlookers or maybe in the vicinity and they're being dragged into it largely unaware, um, the parents are unaware of it. Uh, and I suppose that's my concern and I suppose the the, the the issue that I have is that these are happening in areas that are well known to Gardaí, they're reported by people and they, it seems to me that the Gardaí don't have the resources locally to be able to tackle it. But even physically they, they don't have the resources. I mean two young Gardaí in a, a small mm. Hyundai arriving on the scene where there could be anything up to 10 10 people in, in this full-on brawl and as you say some of them wearing knuckle dusters um, no Garda worth his, his right mind would, would want to walk in there unless he was carrying weapons. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's what there's a bit of creativity needed here as well, is that you certainly wouldn't ask one or two to go into it, but perhaps, you know, to target these incidents and kind of, to, you know, to have a deterrent for young people um, is that they probably need a squad to go to these areas because they know exactly where they're happening. Um, you know, people in the community know that this is happening in a certain area of the north side, a certain area of the city centre, a certain area of the south side. Um, and, you know, they, they are well known. So they would need a squad of Gardaí. And again, that's resources. That's taking them from somewhere else. But I think maybe a short term action is needed to try and kind of nip this in the bud and, you know, p- provide some sort of a deterrent for young people to say, look, if it gets out here that there's a fight in the city, you know, Gardaí will respond with, with a group of Gardaí and with a, maybe, you know, if needs be, a specially trained um, group of Gardaí to deal with this. But don't we already have the public order unit, Mick? We do, we do. And I mean, but again, you know, depending maybe on the age profile and of the experience of those Gardaí, I think this is pretty specialist in nature. And I think it, it may require specialist training to deal with these, as you say. I mean, I, you know, community Gardaí or Gardaí who respond to thefts and, and burglaries or whatever may not be, you know, fully trained to do this. If the public order um, group in the Gardaí are, are, are the right one, yes, but then I think it needs to be resourced because, as I say, if you're putting them on a weekend duty on a Saturday night or whatever to tackle these, you're taking them from somewhere else. So when you say it needs to be properly resourced, what sort of resources? Are you talking about... Well, are you talking about battens? Are you talking about... Well, I was talking in the first instance about actual about people, right. about actually having the Gardaí. I mean, we made this point at the Joint Policing Committee before Christmas when Drew Harris, the commissioner, was down. Um, and we made a point to him that Cork hasn't got a sufficient number of personnel to deal with, this, the, first of all, the increase in the city size uh, and the incidences like this. So I think, first of all, it's personnel. But then I think they need to be trained so that in your situation there where, you know, a group of 10 or 12 or 15 or 20 uh, young people are gathered, that they have then the resources, yeah, and perhaps it's battens, it's perhaps it's, you know, um, sprays or whatever is needed to kind of to, to halt those incidences and put the message out that if this is happening, that if you're organising a fight, the likelihood is this group of Gardaí can respond and will, resp- will respond properly. But then you also have to face the consequences of the possibility that uh, the guard, the ombudsman, would become involved to investigate Gardaí for, uh, for for the way they retaliated or reacted. Yeah, and I mean that, that is a possibility. But you know, I think in the first instance, my fear here is that if that doesn't happen, mm. you know, those ser- those serious injuries among young people will actually turn into something a lot worse. And I think you know that's worth taking the risk that if that is challenged uh, later. Um, you know that you you'll be able to stand up and say, well, look, we're responding to this organised fight, you know, and and I I think that risk has to be taken. I, I think that certainly shouldn't be, um, you know, deterring guard and management from putting such a force in place. Okay, um, I'm talking to Councillor McFinn. Sarah, morning to you. Morning, Garth. Morning, Mick. Morning. Hello. Morning, Sarah. Sarah, yeah. you're the you're Sarah, the mum. Just... Yes, go ahead, please. Yeah. Can I just pick up there on what Mick yeah. was saying? I t- absolutely, totally agree with him. Um, you know, you're, uh, we're on there about, uh, I suppose, in another word, for people to more understand it, what force that the Gardaí can take against young children. Mm. Well, you know, so be it. So be it. I mean, 
Like, what are we supposed to do? Sit down and we're blue from talking to them. And I do think that education needs to be, like, in, from sixth class on, I genuinely think that the, 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 the boys, especially the boys, moving from sixth class, to be fair to them, primary schools are absolutely fantastic to helping the children transition over into secondary school, which is a big move for them. It's a, a small fish when you're in sixth class. In primary school, you're the big fish. And when you move into the secondary school, you're the small fish in the big pond now. So if they could transition them like that as brilliantly as they do, they might educate them a little bit more. Where it comes to, I know they're fabulous at the bullying and making them aware what bullying is, but educate them more because I'm here, um, Garth, I live in I live in Toker. I've mm-hmm. seen it with my own eyes. I saw what happened down near my own, uh, where I lived myself, three weeks ago. One of the children took an awful beating. He was so traumatised, and I'm still traumatised from it myself, that he ran straight out onto the link road with his jumper torn off him on the main link road, and the guards themselves, from their own words, said that they got a call that somebody was bombed off his head running across the link road with no clothes. No. That's not what it was. The person that made the call probably put their own words to that. The child took an unmerciful hiding down the villa, and to escape that hiding, he went straight across the link road. That's what we're dealing with here at the moment. The lads that are taking those beatings are from our area, from our community. Each and every, the dogs on the street know these children. They were born and reared here. We're all very good friends, families. We have an, a family, we have a parent guardian app going between us. There's an, a, a huge amount of people in the same app. If we think there's something going on, we just throw it into our app that we set up and we're all aware of it and we'll all take our children in. But it's a terrible thing in this day and age that our children can't walk their own streets where they were born and reared to meet their friends at the corner of their estate without getting a slap in the head or without getting threatened. And you know what? What makes me nervous is there's no weapons being used. There was Hurley's used that day three weeks ago tomorrow. And now I've been, I've, look, you're listening to young children. It's going to be more than Hurley's. Somebody's going to get seriously injured or, or are worse than injured and the guards then will step in. I'm not blaming the guards because two things, guard, as we all know in this place, we all turn to ring the guards and pray to God. That's two things. Ring the guards and pray to God that they're okay. So we need the guards and the children that are, again, from a young age up, they need to know, they need to respect the police, the guards, a lot more than what they're aware of. Okay, look, you know, I know we all say, oh, God, the guards came. Respect them. We need them. We need them. And the children of today need to know we need the guards because if there was no guards, it's all hell breaks loose. Yes, Sarah, I just want to ask Mick. Mick, we're we're being terrorised by these young gangs and they they don't care about the guards. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and look, I suppose I don't want to paint all young people with the same brush. No, I mean, of like, course you not. know, I'm, I work I work in the youth sector, and I know that there are youth youth organisations and youth workers doing fantastic work in around the city. And again, I, I would I would echo what Sarah said about the schools. But look, you know, there are bad eggs in every community at every age group, and this is happening with a small group who are probably giving everybody else a, a, a bad name. Um, and like that, I think that has summed up now exactly what is happening. And as I said, it's not just con- uh, confined 
to talk around us outside, you know, there's probably a reprisal or a return leg, uh, for want of a better word, on the north side as well. And, like, this is what's happening, and I agree, and it's something seriously is going to happen. And I suppose, look, that's that's why, why the call has been made for extra Gardaí, for Gardaí who are trained and who are specialist in dealing with young people, but also with, with fight situations, which, as I said, it's Hurley's, it might be Hurley's a couple of weeks ago, whatever. It could be Knives the next time, and like, that's that's the concern. Well, yeah, there there are texts just saying these gangs are also coming from Douglas Carrigaline. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. It, it, it's it's nothing. To do, I don't believe it's anything to do with education. Would you agree, Mick? I mean, this is the, some of these kids well, are very well educated kids. Yeah, I suppose the education that Sarah is talking about there is the education of the consequences of what can happen if these things, you know, are allowed to yeah. proliferate or happen. I mean, like one of the things even with students in around the college, you know, and some of the stuff that goes on on Tuesday nights Sorry, and Thursday Sarah, nights. What I'm trying to say is with the education is, you know, there's a transition year in the schools. Mm. Like if instead of being brought into the schools and doing whatever needs to be done in there. If the, those children are brought to, uh, we say, a community centre and shown... See, these boys, they're only 13, 14, 15, Garth, OK? Mm. And they're all trying to be the bravo. They're trying to be the man. They're trying to be, inverted commas, the don. And they don't even realise if they take a knife, and if they use that knife, the person that uses that knife doesn't even realise the consequences, mm. not, not the harm that they've done to the child that they've done it to with the knife, but the consequences of their own lives are destroyed. Mm. And that's the part of education is what I'm talking about. I'm not saying yeah. that the schools need to take them in and say, oh, this, that and the other. No, absolutely not, because I'm all for the schools. And I think they're fabulous with the amount of work that they do with the very little, some of them struggle with resources as well. What I'm trying to say is that the children are aware of it's Hurley's and it's no knives because I'm hearing that there is knives in people's pockets. Mm. There is knives in people's pockets. And we need more police. We need more guard resources. I know their hands are tight in a certain amount of stuff, but if they could show their presence around and let them know this isn't, this can't happen, it needs to be slipped at the bud because I don't want to be on here in two weeks' time or three weeks' time or four weeks' time saying, I told you so, because mm. I'm saying it now. It is going to happen. It is going to happen. I mean, it was again last night. There was an incident in, in Tokyo again last night. I don't know if there's a many aware of it. I'm aware of it. Somebody came up behind another young fellow that was only walking home. He's, a, he's older to the age group that we've been listening to. And he got a slap into the face for no reason whatsoever. None whatsoever. That's uh, yeah, yeah and just and just Garrett, just add, I suppose, the education bit. The education bit is 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 the consequences. I mean, if an antisocial behaviour order or a public order act is on a record, you know, there could be implications for travel and for passports and visas much later in life, which they don't see. They're only living in the moment. But it's it's the education about the possibilities that could happen afterwards. If you're caught with a knife, if you're fighting, if you're you know, if there's an assault, if you're involved, like it's what can happen after that is, I suppose, is what needs to be kind of drummed into these young people. But yeah, drummed drummed into them. But how can you drum it into them other than, you know, as it were, fighting fire with fire? I mean, if you're going to have a specialised unit that attends one of these brawls, 
Well, th- you know, they can talk to the kids through a load hailer. Why not, why not interject, yeah. grab them into the back of the, the, the police van and down to the cells in the Garda station? Oh, yeah, yeah, and look, that's probably what would happen on the night. And I suppose what we're talking about here is a kind of a campaign, maybe in the schools, maybe through the sports clubs, you know, just that the Garda kind of link in with these community groups uh, and, and education providers and just go around to schools or do a campaign to say, <clears throat> look, this can happen if you get involved in organised fighting, you know, apart from the injury, apart from something even worse, it could be on your record and like you're trying to deter it from happening rather than actually dealing with it. But like I think in the short term, the Gardaí will have to deal with it more kind of I suppose creative, creatively. Um, and but like what we're saying is that 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 that's some work should be done into prevention rather than trying to sort it out on the night. Because as you know, you know by the time the Gardaí arrive, maybe are they become aware of it, it could be too late in certain circumstances. And my fear is the same as Sarah is there is that to you know in a month's time we could be talking about someone who was who was killed. But do, do you honestly think the Gardaí will listen to us this morning and say, yeah, that's something we must, we must do and give priority to? I don't believe they will because I don't believe they have any they have any resources to actually do things like this. Yeah, but I think I think they will. And I mean, I've I've been in contact with the with the superintendents in Anglesey Street about this, um, and I've written to the commissioner about uh, resourcing. No, I will have to say is that the commissioner didn't listen to the councillors or the Garda representatives in City Hall before Christmas, and there, there was very little done in terms of allocating additional Garda to Cork. But that message has to get out, and I mean, we have people at the cabinet table in in Cork as well who have who have the powers, I suppose, to influence this and to make sure that the Garda are well resourced. Um, um, and I think that message has to get out loud and clear. Okay. And Garth, may yes. I also say there, yeah. may I also say there, I mean, we're the parents of yeah. these children. We're the ones who brought them into the world and we're the ones who need to teach them. So what I would be saying is, no, none of us are angels. Absolutely none of them. Because none of them can put their hands up from any age and say they're angels. And I would definitely not be saying my, my fellow is an angel. But what I'm saying is, where's the parents of these people that are coming like I'm not going to say any certain area where they're coming from but mm. the dogs on the street know where they're coming from but where is the parents of these because I know if my own son isn't if I'm not in contact with him every 30 minutes to an hour I'm going to ask where are you put on your phone show me where you are and I'm where's the other parents parents need to do this as well no I'm not saying parents aren't doing it because they are but the people that are still coming from outside your community Are those parents even aware that their children are travelling outside their community to come down for an organised fight or for a fight? Are those parents even aware of that? Okay. Thank you, Sarah. Nice to talk to you this morning. Councillor Mick, good to talk to you. Mick, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks, Gareth. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie. Cox 96 FM. You're currently on 9 out of 10. Okay, your question 10 was, who wrote the novel American Gods? You said Neil Gaiman. The answer, unfortunately, is Neil Gaiman. You just I'm in love with the money. There was a 
four repeat questions in there. And um, so he did well. Here's the listen, girl. Oh my God, we'll be making a promo over you. The two grand minute. With Cork Dental Care, you'll be all smiles when you see their treatments with Invisalign at CorkDentalCare.ie. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. On Cork's 96 FM. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, a question for you. What's dark brown and undrinkable? Well, I think everyone around here knows that these days. Leanne, good morning to you. Good morning, Garrett. How are you keeping? I'm well, Hope thank you're well. you. Yeah, I just saw a photograph of your tap water. And you know something? I think, uh, I, I don't think a urologist would even know what to do with it. It, it looks disgusting. Oh. oh, my God, Garrett. It's absolutely fine. It's disgusting. You know, like you don't know whether, you know, your water is your basic thing. Like you don't know when you're going to your tap, if it's going to be brown or is it going to be clear, you know. Yeah, it's absolutely disgusting. It looks like somebody put a a kind of an auburn coloured dye into it. It's I can't even explain the the colour of it, but it looks obnoxious. Yeah, I was actually going to boil my kettle to make a cup of tea when I seen that. But thank God for bottled water, you know, I had to fill up my kettle with bottled water. I've, I'm a parent of three young kids, you know, so they would drink a lot of pl- plenty of water, you know, with their sports and their school. But like you, their water or tap water is under, you know, independent. Yeah. You can't depend on it, you know. Yeah, and can so I just thank God for bottled water, like? Can I just warn people against uh, boiling this ugh, disgusting-looking concoction? It 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 will damage the element in your kettle. Uh, quite a number of people have tried it, and they've said that it still comes look it comes out looking dark brown or red. Uh, boiling it does nothing to it, but even even if you were to try and boil it and drink it, I, I, I wouldn't, not for all the money. Um, and this has been going on for how long, Leanne? Whereabouts are you based? I'm I'm in the Glen, and yeah. it's been going on for as long as I can remember. You know, God. it's just on and off. The brown, this brown is on and off. It's unpredictable, you know. And there's no warning, do you know. Mm. There's no warning that your water is going to be brown. Like last evening, I actually ran my son's bath. A hot water, the hot water it was running dirty, like there was bits of dirt coming out in it, you know. So I had to obviously empty that water. Sure, it takes the immersion then as well. You know, I'm tapping up that then as well, you know. Cause it's just saying that the bath, you don't know what colour your water is going to come out in that either. And is there any time when it's ever clear? Um, like even at that now, it's, as I said, now it's very unpredictable. Like it's just clear when it's clear. It's dirty when it's dirty. You just don't know. Right. Just and hope for the best when you turn on your tap that it is clear, you know. 
and you, you mentioned that you're doing bottled water now, but you'll, you'll now have the 20 cent charge on all bottled water too. So they'll be up and down to the shops to recycle. I mean, it's it's. Have you have you been on to Irish water? Oh, I have, and many of the neighbours here have. But sure, we're getting no satisfaction. You know, no satisfaction whatsoever of them. They're right. just saying they'll resolve it. They, you know, but no, nothing. But it's gone on for years, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's an absolute joke. They'd wanted to do something. Jesus, come off their high horses now or something and just get it done because it's absolutely, it's fine, like it's fine. Okay. This day and age, you know, 2024. <laughs> right, Liam. thanks a lot. Good to talk to you this morning. Not at all, Garrett, and have a good weekend. Yeah, you too. Take care. Thank you. And just watch okay. that water. 20 cent charge and all bottled water now as well, of course. And now with the recycling going on at the moment, I mean, we really need to go back to college and educate ourselves in all of the new the new fandangos that are surrounding us. Uh, we're going to talk about that, about um, the recycling campaign which started yesterday. PJ was talking about it. Uh, but uh, that's that's coming up in the next hour. This week's Hours to Protect. Here it is. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre. Watercourse Road Blackpool for sofas, beds, kitchen, dining, and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. The Furniture Centre.ie. Cox 96 FM. Hours to Protect. Brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hours to protect.ie for more info. This week we hear about Enterprise Ireland's new campaign to encourage client companies to draw up their sustainability plan. Alexa Toomey is Head of Sustainability, Renewable Energy and Ag Tech at Enterprise Ireland and has been telling us about what the campaign is all about. I suppose from our point of view here in Enterprise Ireland, we, we know that sustainability is something that's hugely important to you know, kind of all enterprise um, and I think it's increasingly something that all companies are going to have to have as part of their business strategy. So we're just trying to get the word out there that you know companies need to get a sustainability plan in place if they don't already have one and that we've got a lot of supports here that can help them to do that. So what would a sustainability plan look like for a small business company? When we talk about a sustainability plan, we, we really mean one that's right for your business wherever you're at. So there's some companies that have a big carbon footprint. So for them, the, the main focus of their sustainability plan is likely going to be reducing that carbon footprint. And the environment is you know, obviously a huge pillar of anybody's sustainability plan. So it could be about carbon, it could be about water usage, it could be about, you know, the packaging that you're using. It could be about, um, you know, just kind of being more energy efficient within your business, which I think is something that's relevant to so many companies for a lot of reasons, as, as reasons as they kind of look at energy prices increasing, but equally as they try to reduce their carbon footprint. But it's also the wider area. So if we think of kind of that wider ESG area, where we're looking at, you know, what can companies do to make sure they're they're as as kind of socially sustainable um as well as kind of economically sustainable. So, you know, how how do they interact with their communities? How do they interact with their supply chain? How do they interact with their staff? And what kind of supports can Enterprise Ireland offer to their client companies? So we've got a really wide range of supports. And again, it's because we recognise that there's a kind of, you know, every company is coming at this from a different place. But I think, you know, to, to categorise them a little bit, we have some workshops 
Um, so we have our sustainability Kickstarter um, program, and that's a half day program. Um, it's made available free of charge to companies. Um, and what that does is it brings companies through what are the basics of a sustainability plan? What does good look like? Why is a sustainability plan important for you and your business? We recognize companies are very busy. Um, you know, and, and, and they need to be focusing their efforts on things that are going to deliver for them. And it just really helps them to get started. So we have, you know, kind of that style of a, of a workshop where you're, you're attending along with your peers. They're online workshops. But, you know, we do try and make sure that companies get the chance to interact on them. We also have... Um, funding supports that help companies to bring an expert in to work with them on their specific plans. So we've got our Climate Action Voucher, which um, provides companies with access to two days of a consultant's time to work with them. We have our Green Start Fund and our Green Plus Fund. I won't go into the details of all of them, but really this is about bringing expertise into your company and helping your company to access training. And then when companies are looking at maybe kind of decarbonizing their business, you know, for those companies that have, you know, maybe a bit more of a carbon footprint, we have supports there to help you to adopt kind of best in class technology that will help to bring down the carbon footprint of your business. And where can people find out more information on the Enterprise Ireland Sustainability Plan? So they can go onto our website, so that's enterprise-ireland.com and they can go onto our social media um, presence as well where, where we have lots of information being shared there, you know, kind of on different workshops and different initiatives that we're hosting. Um, on our website, you'll see that there's a client solutions hub and that brings companies in to the solutions in the specific area that they're focusing on. So hopefully there's lots of information that people can access there. If you want to source further information, go online at enterpriseireland.com or check out the show notes of this episode. <laughs> to protect. Brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ourstoprotect.ie for more info. Tell you about an incident that happened to us yesterday. We brought the two dogs down to one of the little beaches there close to Ring Skiddy. We had a lovely couple of hours in the afternoon and we were coming back along uh, on on the main road there and we decided to take a side road to head into Douglas and uh, there was a refuse truck in front of us and the guy pulled in I don't know whether he'd gotten a phone call or what but he put on his hazards the road was on a very very dangerous bend so there was no way you could overtake him realistically and I had no idea what he was doing but he put the hazards on I take it he was on his phone and the guy behind us decided to pull out and overtake our car and also the refuse truck and what he couldn't see that I could see was coming around the very very dangerous bend in front of us was another car and how there wasn't a head-on collision is just beyond me and we talked about it the whole way home we were both shaking because I'd say I don't know how he managed to stop his car on time and get in he tucked in in front of us but if we had been too close to the refuse truck he wouldn't have been able to get in on time And I'll tell you one thing, the car coming towards us on the other side of the road, he was definitely above the speed limit and the guy behind us was a complete idiot. So please, uh, when it comes to road safety, we can all do with a little reminder every now and then. So please don't just think it, say it. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Quartz 96 FM
them. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Call 96FM. Now, Gareth O'Callaghan here with your PJ back after the bank holiday on Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock. Now, one of our listeners um, sent in a message just a, a short while ago, and hopefully you might be able to help. Gareth, I'm hoping that you might be able to help to assist me with a message on air this morning. My daughter lost her phone in a taxi in Cork City last Saturday night, 27th of February. She's visiting from Australia and is flying back soon. There are voice recordings on the phone that are sadly not backed up and are of very sentimental value as they are by my son who passed away. Hoping you might be able to put out a message to any of the taxi drivers and maybe the driver who might have found the phone in their car last Saturday night, Sunday morning. If they could please drop to uh, drop the phone into Anglesey Street Garda Station. I know this is a long shot for you to be able to do this, but we are desperate now for the phone to be recovered as it has not been handed in anywhere yet. Thanks in advance for any help you might be able to provide. Yep, uh, it might be a long shot, but I've got a good feeling that there there might be a taxi driver who maybe picked up the phone and maybe just said somebody might ring the base or somebody might get in touch. Um, if you have come across the phone or if you were in a taxi in Cork City last Saturday night and there was a phone that you found in the back seat and you decided to hold on to it for whatever reason, maybe you could do the uh, the honours and drop it into Anglesey Street Garda Station. Our caller says that there are some very sentimental uh, voice notes and also photographs uh, and they're by her son who passed away. I'm so sorry to hear that. So please give us a shout even if you want to contact us here on 0818 96 96 96 to say that you found the phone um, and maybe call her if you can just maybe get back to us and let us know was there a, a cover on the phone? Had it any dis- anything distinctive about it? And we'll see if we can uh, reunite yourself with and your, your daughter with the phone as soon as possible. Now, new measures are coming into play to tackle bullying in our schools. Kolosta, uh, Eamon Reach Principal Aaron Wolf says this is a very positive move and he joins me now. Aaron, nice to talk to you again. Good morning. Hi, Gareth. How are you? Very good. This is something that... I suppose it's age old. It's I remember bullying when I was in secondary school. I even remember it when I was in primary school, and that's a long time ago. But um, I know it has got progressively worse and progressively more sinister. So tell me, if you can, please, about these new measures. Yeah, well, I suppose, look, bullying, you just mentioned secondary schools and primary schools. Sure, bullying happens everywhere, Joe. Bullying can happen in the workplace or anything. Joe, it's not just confined to schools, unfortunately, you know. Um, bullying can happen absolutely anywhere. But yeah, the new measures were written following recommendations of the Oireachtas Joint Committee. Uh, there was a report on school bullying and the impact on mental health in 2021. And so they came up with Canaltis, which was the report, uh, which is the idea of reporting all alleged bullying incidents, including the type of bullying behaviour and how it is addressed. So, at the moment, uh, the department has been very proactive with uh, tackling bullying. We already have a kind of national framework. Every school, uh, we have our anti-bullying policy. You have a safeguarding checklist every year that you must go through on the board of management. And then there are inspections in your anti-bullying behaviour. You know, they check the policy, they check has the checklist been done, have parents been notified, do you have interventions going on? So the department has always been very proactive with trying to tackle bullying. But 
it, 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 it is very difficult. So what they're, the idea is now that every case that comes to the school is reported to directly to the Department of Education so they would create a database and develop an annual national report on bullying every year. Now it's totally anonymous. You don't include the names of the children or who was doing, you, you just include the behaviour and what the school did to address the behaviour. Right. Can you define bullying as you you are familiar with? And and because it's it it's a very subjective word. It's very difficult to actually define. I would imagine. Yes. Well, bullying. What we would say, bullying is unwanted negative behaviour, verbal, psychological, physical, conducted by an individual or group against another person, which is repeated over time. And that's the important thing: repeated over time. You know, interpersonal differences, conflict exist in schools and in the workplace, and a one-off case isn't bullying. You know, um, but if it's repeated. That's when it becomes bullying. But you see, the the trouble with bullying is it's a secretive thing and it thrives in secretive um, atmospheres. It's very, very difficult to discover a child as being bullied. And the best person to identify that are actually the parents. And so we do have this national framework that the schools have this work to do, reporting it. But parents have a huge responsibility in, first of all, educating their own children not to bully, but then looking out for... um, what would we call them, the kind of gateway, sorry, the, I'm trying to think of the word now, the the signs of bullying, Mm. do you know, what's going on um, at home. So there are certain kind of key things you could look out for um, with your child. So before we get into that, do you know when your child comes home from school, Mm -hmm. to have the conversation with them, and unfortunately, some parents don't have that conversation because the parents might be at work themselves, and some children are going home and they're making their own dinner and all that, and that's modern life. But at some point, try and touch base with your child and to ask the questions, you know, um, how was your day? Now, I know with my own son, he'll just go, fine. But that's not (laughs) the end of the conversation. You know, you you do have to draw it out of them. Yeah. Yeah. But draw it out of them and ask the questions, you know, um, who, who did you have your lunch with today? And what are they, oh, are they, are they your friend? And that's what parents need to do as well. Find out who your child is hanging around with. You know, parents need to know who their child's friends are, both on the victim side and the bully side, because you might realise your child is hanging around with all the wrong people, you know? Mm. So a lot of parents actually don't know who their child's friends are. So have the conversation. You should know your child's friends, but in secondary school it's harder. Primary, yeah. yes, you have the play dates. Secondary school, geez, my son, I don't know, he doesn't want to tell me. But we grill him. And, you know, we have that conversation, the poor fella. Well, I, I take it change in behavioural, uh, I suppose, behave, behaviour, change in behaviour is a big sign, isn't it? It is. So I suppose what we call them is uh, look out for the signs of the child would either power up or power down. So power down means they will become very quiet. They will become reclusive. They might start giving up activities they would like to do normally. And then the, the powering up, your child could become very aggressive because they're having such a tough time in school. When they go home, they try to assert some sort of dominance at home. So your child could start talking back to the parents or fighting with the siblings because they're trying to take some control. Because unfortunately, in a bullying situation, the poor child feels overwhelmed and they feel they're losing all sense of control of what's going on in their lives and is absolutely desperate. Um, So what you could also look out for is how does your child go to school? You know, if they always cycle to school and suddenly they stop cycling or they're not getting the bus anymore, ask the question, why isn't your child getting the bus? Because maybe they're they're trying to avoid someone. Mm. 
you. Yeah. So again, it's the parents. Uh, the, the the parents have the really key role to identify because the teacher the teacher can only identify so many things. But bullying very often won't happen in the classroom. It would happen in the schoolyard, or it'll happen before school, after school, to and from school. And then the, the what's awful now is the cyberbullying. Um, so years ago, if you were being bullied, at least you'd get some respite when you go home. But now the bullying could follow you home. And again, it's a parental responsibility. What is your child doing online? That's how you catch the bully. You know, yeah. look at what they're putting up on Snapchat. And Snapchat is a desperate thing because the messages disappear. Mm-hmm. And so in, in lots of cases um, of children that are being bullied, they know the message will disappear but what we'd advise them is quickly get your mum, get your dad and take a photograph of your phone because you can't take a screenshot because it will notify the bully you've taken a screenshot. So take the photo of the phone with the message on it. And, but it, it, what happens as well is the ch- your child, if your child is being bullied, they won't want to discuss it because they feel such a, such a sense of shame because they've lost all sense of self-worth. Yeah. And it's awful for a child to go home to mum and dad and tell them, I'm being called this name. Like it would break your heart, you know, because the child won't want to say, I'm called four eyes or I'm called some desperate thing. Everyone's calling me fat. That's a very hard thing to, for anyone to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, the, the child has a huge burden. Um, so that's the, the parent side, but it's really having that relationship. And look, at this modern day, we are all working crazy hours. So we just have to make sure to touch base with our children and the teenagers, really, because you don't know who your child is hanging around with. Aaron, do, um, do, 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 does the parent, okay, the parent wants to take action, obviously. Do they approach yourself in yes. the role of the principal no, or do no, they go to the Gardaí? No. Well, you 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 could you could go to the Gardaí. You could go to the, the Gardaí, but the Gardaí would probably send you back to the school anyway. Unless it's something very serious like online. So we there are cases in schools where serious online behaviour and it goes on to the Gardaí. You know, photographs being taken, abusive messages, uh, violence, physical assaults. The Gardaí would get involved then. Um, so there are cases where phones can be confiscated, taken by the guardie because children think, well, I've deleted all that, but the guards will find it. And what about, um, what about if your son or daughter doesn't want you to go to the principal? What if they would prefer, because obviously they're in a state of panic, as you say, they've lost their sense of control, their sense the, of self The principal is probably the worst person to go to. Right. <laughs> because the principal, look, and I, it sounds like I'm trying to dodge work, but the principal is very hard to get hold of because the principal has a million meetings. Yeah. So most schools will have a class tutor or they'll have the year head or they'll have the deputy principal. But start at the bottom, you know, go to the class tutor because their workload is a lot less and they, they meet the child every day and they have a better sense of so every school will have their um, 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 anti-bullying policy so in our school if bullying is reported to a teacher the teacher will go to the year head who enters it on an online form and then it goes to the pastoral care committee and it's thoroughly investigated because unfortunately as well some people think you know they, they'll say we're being bullied that child could have made it up you know, to get someone else in trouble or they've misunderstood it or the other crowd, oh, well, I thought we were only having a mess. We used to be friends, but we fell out over this and now we're not friends. So the school does a huge investigation mm. and then we determine, the school determines, is it bullying or is it not? And um, it can be very uncomfortable in trying to find out 
um, is bullying going on because the child will not want the school to know mm. because mum, it'll make it worse. Please don't tell them, it'll make it worse. But unfortunately, the only way you can make it better is to tackle it. And schools are very, very good at um, not letting the bully know who told us. So in our school, we have a form called a speak out and let us know form. So it's an online link. All the students have access to it. And anyone in the school can put in something there, totally anonymous. So they could say, Gareth is being picked on in the yard every day by, we don't know who sent it in, but it gives us, it, it, you know, it tips us off. Something's going on here. And then when the bully is confronted, um, who told you? Well, it came in on the anonymous form. So, and, so and are, I, are, are pupils that forthcoming or, or are they afraid to also divulge? Well, with the anonymous form, they, they will, you know, they, they'll enter it on the anonymous form. Yeah. Because, again, if you have a bully, and bullies are the worst type of, you know, as I said, they're, they're everywhere. They're in workplaces, mm. they're in schools. They wield such power that people are genuinely afraid to stand up against the bully. Because if I stand up, I'm going to be targeted. And you know, it is, it's that then, well, I don't want to bring that trouble on myself, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut. So um, that's what I'm talking about. Bullying happens in secretive areas. Mm. But when, with the online forms, you you open up the classroom and it allows people to kind of, uh, so they rat on each other, uh, but they do it anonymously. And mm. it comes to us and we can do the investigation. Or you could say, to the, you know, I'd often say, well, I actually saw it myself on the school cameras, you know? Right. We have CCTV cameras, so we'd get someone to tell us, well, where did it happen? And I'll say I saw it myself. One of our callers, so, Aaron, has he's just a yeah. very interesting question. What could be done if it's a teacher who's bullying? The caller says this is happening in a school, but it's not your school. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear that. Well, the simple thing, if that's happening in, to your child, you, the, 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 the guidelines for complaining a teacher is you must go to the teacher yourself first. So you can't call the school principal. Um, the principal cannot take any complaint against the member of staff. You must go to the person. And there are stages. If your complaint isn't listened to by the teacher, then you can go up uh, to the principal. And then if the principal's not listening, you can go to the board of management. If the board of management aren't listening, you can take it beyond the Department of Education. But again, all things are normally dealt with in that case at an informal level you would say it to the teacher and very often the teacher would have a very different side of the story you know because some right. children you know um, so it can, it can be a difficult thing but it does happen it does happen you know um, in relation to the tackling this in, in relation to the, the, um, the measures uh, it will see teachers reporting all alleged incidents and how they have been dealt with. That's a, a huge administrative challenge, isn't it? And this is the problem. It's a great strategy. It's a great idea. But like, unfortunately, everything with the Department of Education it is badly funded. Um, there is a teacher shortage in this country at the moment. We can't get staff. We can't fill our positions. Um, we need a lot more we need a lot more funding, first of all, in the education sector. And then we need extra positions of responsibility. So we have postal responsibilities in school. You would be a teacher in a secondary school, and then you can go for an assistant principal two or an assistant principal one. That's in, in addition to your salary, but it comes with additional workload. So you could be the year head to a year group, or you could be running the school's Green Schools campaign. Mm. They're additional responsibilities. They've introduced now a new role for the school, so we need someone to do that because our schedule is already full. We're doing so many initiatives in every school. We have our year heads. We have our digital learning plans. We have our school self-evaluation. We have our DESH plan. There's a million jobs going on in schools. You know, schools are 
a very complex place to work. People think we do just come in and you teach your class and you go home. There's not. There's so much planning. There's so many staff meetings. But now this extra administrative responsibility um, they must pay for that. Yeah, you know, someone someone must be paid to do that. Like this year now in secondary schools, um, all books are going to be free, but they've given money to, to someone to organise that book scheme. So they need someone to do all this paperwork. And um, you would have heard about it during the summer. Principals are already we're 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 really overworked, and we've been calling on sort of like an administrative secretary to help with the work done of the principal because my main job is to concentrate on teaching and learning. I'm the principal teacher, so I'm here to improve teaching and learning, but I can't do it because I'm so bogged down with the paperwork. Mm-hmm. You know, filling out a million things for leaks and roofs, all this kind of thing, which has nothing to do with teaching and learning. Total distractions, you know, doing the accounts with Mary in the office, things like that. Um, free principals up, bring in an administrative secretary that can do all these things, and then we can concentrate on teaching and learning. And if the principal can concentrate on teaching and learning, you will also help eradicate bullying because you will look at strategies that we could do in classes that will um, help prevent bullying because prevention is better than the cure educate our children. So we do use CSP, we use SPAG, CSP, they're subjects that you run um, anti-bullying initiatives. Um, in my school, when you come in first year, we do a whole barbecue day with the grandparents, the parents, and the children get to make friends, you know, and you at that, you can spot, well, that child's on their own, so we're going to help them make a friend. So we have little programs about trying to make friends in secondary school. And sadly, one of the things that happened over COVID, children forgot how to make friends. Mm. We all ended up on our devices. And what we noticed when everyone came back to school was um, their relationships had broken down. They started blanking each other because they were used to, if you had a falling out, you could just log off and you never, you could you know, ghost them online. Yeah. And then they started doing that in person. So children, Teenagers, children, COVID has had huge impacts and that probably is resulting in bullying. So the the, the different forms of bullying, you know, in this new thing, we have gender identity, cyber bullying, racist bullying, sexist bullying, sexual harassment. um, And then just the mean mean bullying, the the physical bullying. Um, and what we again, staff in schools are trained in this is in spotting the gateway behaviors. So, looking, trying to catch bullying very early on. So, posting if you have a child, if your son or daughter posts an embarrassing photo of someone else, that's a gateway behavior that could escalate. So, you have to say to them, Take that down, you can't post that. How would you like it if that was you? And, you know, with the phones and all that, they can take desperate photos of people eating and they just catch them in a bad moment. I'm going to put that up on Facebook now and everyone will see it and we'll all have a laugh. That's a gateway behavior. Um, Ignoring each other. Um, Whispering in front of someone. So this big whole production of I'll whisper away to you, but you're going to hear as I'm whispering. Mm. And then, you know, the eye rolling and the side eye. Right. There's things teachers will look out for. You know, when someone answers a question and you see them rolling their eyes, that's a gateway behaviour for bullies. That child would be spoken to. That's fascinating. I, so, it, it never occurred to me and it's very interesting. And this is something that, and I think I speak on behalf of most people, we're not aware that teachers are being trained and, and, and you know, as it were, they're adding this to their arsenal. I wasn't aware of that. That's fascinating. I have one comment here, Aaron. Um, my friend's child was being bullied by the principal's daughter. When the bullied child said it to their teacher, the teacher said, quote, you're putting me in a very awkward situation. What would you, what would you think of that? 
well, she's like the principal. It would be my daughter. I'd kill her. Did yeah. um, you know you, you, you bully? You, you, there, there is no time for an awkward behavior. You know, um, you can awkwardness awkward doesn't come into it yeah. when it comes to bullying. Um, it, as I said, it is uncomfortable tackling bullying. It's like you to, uh, uh, go back to the workplace. That's the principal. You could have two staff members bullying each other. Mm. And that's a very uncomfortable one when you get the two people together and they might, they're grown adults and they both think the other one is bullying each other, you know? Yeah. Um, but that uncomfortable situation, you have to grab it, you have to have that conversation and it doesn't matter who is involved. If the principal's daughter was bullying, the principal would have to recuse themselves from the investigation, from any verdict. And that's in every school's code of discipline. You know, we have a... Every school would have a code of, we call it a code of ethics and behaviour. And within that, every child is entitled to a fair hearing and impartiality. So what that means is, in our school, the principal, which is me, I don't have any role in discipline at all. The deputy principals control discipline in this school. If something happens, they do the investigation and then it's presented to the principal. The principal is sort of the judge. You know, right. and the principal then makes the record. The principal makes the decision. Yes, this is bullying, or yes, this is not bullying, or yes, your child did this, or no, they didn't do it. And then the principal's word is often final. Now you can go to the board of management, but you know most principals we're 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 quite experienced. We've we've got plenty of qualifications, and um, we've dealt with these situations before. So principals do have a very good insight when the when the cases come to them. Yeah. So when you when, that does mean what happened the parent is called in to meet the principal and the, the the case will be read out and the principal will say well look this is this is what's being put to you parents may defend their child or the parent one problem you will have encounter with parents actually and I'd be the same my Johnny is a darling do you know what I mean that you, your yeah. natural instinct is to mm-hmm. defend your child and that is when it's very difficult my son's not bullying your daughter or whatever do you yeah. know because my natural instinct is to but he's my son I've got to protect mm-hmm. him but at some point you do have to step back and think well I don't don't know what he's doing online. I don't know his friends. He could be doing this. Right. Aaron, you know? I, I hope, you're, um, gonna, I hope yeah. you're going to get a break over the bank holiday weekend, are you? Oh, no, principals never stop. We've been working all weekend. <laughs> You'll probably have a it ceiling to paint or gas will. central heating to fix or something, yeah? <laughs> we, we, we've just had a whole school inspection here, so we've had the inspectorate with us for three days. So the weekend is, is long awaited. Okay. So we'll all, be, we'll all be celebrating. Always good to talk to you, Aaron. Thank you. Great, Gareth, thanks. Thank you. That's Aaron Wolf there, um, uh, the uh, principal at Colossus Eamon Reach, Deer Park principal. Always good to talk to him. Just um, one comment here. Robert says, morning, uh, there's a massive problem with bullying and behavioural issues in Cork. This was before, it came in before we actually spoke to Aaron Wolf. Inside and outside of schools, young lads and girls are absolutely feral. This is because there's a whole generation of parents that are not raising their kids correctly. They want to be a cool parent, nearly a friend. It's ridiculous. Your kids are a reflection of you. They'll stand there saying their kids are angels even if there's video evidence and then the excuse of they've had a difficult lots of people have a difficult but it's a choice god if i hear that expression again your honor he's had it difficult you can choose to be a scumbag or choose not to be a scumbag it's not mandatory makes my blood boil parents need to be responsible and accountable for this that's from robert join the conversation this is the opinion line with the furniture center watercourse road blackpool for sofas beds kitchen dining and mattresses over 45 years in business the furniture center.ie Corks 96 fm listen to Corks 96 fm on your smart speaker say simply say play Corks 96 fm this is 
96 FM. Now, a couple of your comments in relation to uh, taxis and taxi prices. If a company can offer a cheaper price, then that's good for the customer. Taxi drivers want full control of everything. Imagine if builders started crying because other builders were doing jobs cheaper than them. If they're not happy with the money they make, then get a different job. John says, Gareth, I can't come on air and I would just like to say it's awful what's been happening to all the innocent Palestinian people. Having said that, Israel and the Jewish people were there before Palestine. If you go back far enough in history, past the 40s, are you talking about the 1940s? You will see that the Jews have been fighting for this land a long time. And as for protests boycotting retailers here, it's ridiculous. Plenty of Irish people's jobs affected and the Irish economy also. That's what I was thinking, John. Um, it's one thing naming products, but that if that's going to affect a small retailer and it's going to draw attention to the fact that that retailer sells these products, well, then that can't possibly be good for the product, uh, well, for the retailer, if people are saying boycott the product and it could cause the retailer, the shop owner, problems uh, of many sorts. And in relation to the histories... Uh, the history of um, Israel and uh, the Jewish people. Um, I, that book I mentioned earlier on, I'll mention it again before 12 o'clock today. Uh, I remember reading, and I've read widely on the whole Palestinian background and the, the history and that. Um, I think it was King David back in 1000 BC, was it? When he was ousted from or Jerusalem or the other way around. I must, I must actually go and reread the book. Uh, plenty of detail in it, but if you're very interested in um, the real old history, the Hundred Years' War on Palestine by Rashid Khalidi uh, is well worth a read. Good bank holiday reading as well. Here's a question. Why are so many young people going to Australia when we've never had it so good here in relation to jobs? Certainly not for a long, long time. We've got plenty of jobs on offer here. In fact, more jobs than are being taken up. Journalist Aideen O'Connell is just back from Australia and she joins me now. Hi there, Aideen. Hi, Gareth. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. I kind of envy you in one sense um, because I've always wanted to go to Australia, but the thing that puts me off is the journey. Now, I don't know whether that's an, yeah. an age thing, but tell me, what was your first impression? My first impression of Australia? Well, yeah, I can. with the journey, I was a little bit fearful of that too but it's actually okay I suppose you get kind of a burst of like adrenaline and then you're you know you're buzzing to I suppose go to a country that is so connected to Ireland because we've had so many people move there and then obviously home and away I was a big fan always <laughs> so when I got to Australia I was like okay I'm gonna step in to home and away Australians everywhere you know good looking men like surfers everything but I went to the first place I went to was a place called Kudji and it's known as County Kudji and for a very good reason, because the minute I stepped into the street there, I was like, have I left North Kerry? I was like, <laughs> sure. Everybody, everyone was Irish, like <laughs> everyone. And you can like you can spot a smile away. The lads in the GA jerseys, the sunburn, like it's covered, covered. Yeah. So that was my my first impression of of Australia. And you you reckoned that there was a guy you met there who you met in Jets, which I I know very, very well from my two of M days, Jets nightclub in Listol. <laughs> did, did you met him in, in Jets, did you? It was, uh, so I was with a friend of mine called Geraldine and she used to work in uh, Jet Carls for years. And uh, we, I went in to get a coffee and I walked out and 
all I heard was her talking to this kind of older man and she was like, do you remember talking to me in Jets? I served you a few times and I was like, Geraldine, let us get out of here anyway. Like, so I was like are we in the stall? And does it make it, um, does it make the distance and the whole cultural difference easier to accept when you know that like there are so many Irish people in County Coogee? Yeah, yeah, it does. I suppose I was there on a on a trip. It was kind of a once a lifetime thing. Me and two of my friends, we like saved up for the last few months, and you know it was a, a big expense. So I suppose we were going there, and I, I presume when you when you move there first, it's like if you move anywhere, you kind of want to see the culture of the place you're going to. I found it a little bit off putting in a way that it was like stepping straight into into Ireland again but I can imagine if you're living there a long time and you get homesick it is lovely to have to have that connection but I was just so surprised I suppose when we had um, so we left on the 28th of December and about a week later the news had come out about the 21,000 visas that had been issued um, and you know that sounds like such a big number but when you're there then you, you can see it in action mm. like it's we're absolutely everywhere Sydney particularly I went up the whole east coast you get to the place like Brisbane, few Irish people, maybe not as many, um, and then up to Cairns and then back to Melbourne. And Melbourne would obviously have a lot of Irish people too, but the majority seem to be going to Sydney. And from what I hear then, if you're kind of done with your time in Sydney, which people describe as hectic and it can be, um, people tend to go to Western Australia, then to Perth, which is a little bit quieter. I think there's a big Irish population there as well. Um, but what I noticed, I suppose, in my time there is that I think you know, maybe the last time we've had this mass immigration out of the country was around the time of the crash and people had to go because of necessity. There was no jobs here. You had to go if you wanted to make a life for yourself, if you wanted to make money. But I think what has happened now is it's more like, it's almost like a rite of passage to go there. And I yeah. think a lot of people, particularly my age group, so I'm 29 and I think the people my age who are leaving, it's more like they're using it as like a circuit breaker. Because mm. um, it, it's quite tough here. Like I moved back up to Dublin recently. It's very expensive. I don't know what you're getting. You're not getting much bang for your buck, that kind of thing. And from the people that I chatted to when I was over there, a lot of them said, yeah, I'll be here for a year or two. I'm not doing it for career uh, purposes I'm doing it for a bit of crack, see the world. I'll come back home though. And everyone who's there seems to go over with the idea. I think obviously you'll get a few still who will go and, and, you know, make a life there and stay there long term. But I think the majority are kind of there just for a year or two, take a little bit of a break and come back. One friend put it to me very, very well. And he's 31 now. And he was like, 18, Australia is like going on a J1 for people who don't want to grow up. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's, that was a very good line. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, in, in my day, uh, the J1 in Boston, like, you know, we just, we, we headed to Boston because we, 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 ne- we always wanted to come back, but we didn't want to really do anything else, just travel for a little yeah. while. And it, yeah. it, do you find it's easier to change that viewpoint that you kind of get there and you think actually I think I'll stay here for a while have you met many people who do that yeah it's it's you know actually I think with Australia now as well it's it's hard to live there too like Sydney has Sydney and Melbourne both have a housing crisis as well um and when you go there it's not easy to get a it's not as easy as it was to get a job um I have a cousin she's a dietitian she couldn't get um she hasn't been able to get a job in her field. So she's working in cafes and restaurants. And a lot of a lot of people that I would have known, friends of mine, they've been working in cafes and restaurants and bars. They have no issue with that. They're kind of, as I said, it's like this kind of circuit breaker. Um, so I suppose when they go there now, 
if that's kind of the situation you're in, you're maybe you're kind of thinking if you're going there with the idea that, OK, I, I, I don't want to progress my career or anything like that. They're kind of like, OK, I'll stay here for a year, two years, three years, and then we'll come home. I think that's the way I think that's what people are, are saying. Now, when I went there, I suppose it kind of it ended that question for me that I always had hanging over my head. Like if you're if you're young now, everyone's like, when are you going to go to Australia? Mm. So when I went and I was able to experience it, I kind of was like, OK, yeah, it's it's good, but it's not. It's, it wouldn't be for me personally. So I was able to go home and be like, okay, I, I don't want to live there full time. Um, but it was, yeah, it was interesting to see kind of that shift that's playing out there. Yeah. Um, and as well, a lot of Australians who I would have spoken to as well, they were like, it's covered in you. They were like, you're, you're everywhere. Like, why are you coming over? Is it because you can't get jobs at home? And I was like, no, it's not that. It's just, I don't know. There's just this thing now. I, I think it's after the pandemic as well. Um Personally, I suppose I was 24 when the pandemic started. I was about 27 when it mm. finally ended. So we kind of missed out in a few years there where you probably would have been traveling and, you know, being wild and reckless with abandon and no one was judging you. So I think that's why <laughs> that's a lot nice. of people are going as well. <laughs> and you make a very good point. Um, you say living in Ireland makes you grow up too fast. Yeah, it does. Um, even if you leave college now, you know, when you're at that point, you're you're kind of figuring things out immediately. And now when you come out of college, like you're met with, OK, high rents, you're never going to have a house. If you want to get a mortgage, you have to start saving now. <laughs> like yeah. it's like it's just straight away. And it's there's a lot of pressure. And I don't think people talk about it a lot. I know people talk about the whole housing thing. And I think, you know, it's another reason I think why people maybe are fleeing. It's so frustrating because that's all you're hearing. Um, mm. And it's just, I do feel like there's a pressure living here and you're always thinking ahead um, because if you do want to have a house and that's what you want eventually, you're told you have to do it like straight away, like the minute you leave college, you need to be saving because you'll have no hope. Um, and then like as well, I suppose people come out of college, they go to places like Dublin. It's very expensive. There's things like nightlife here. There's only a hundred nightclubs um, in the country at the moment that are actually open. A hundred? Um, the majority, a hundred, yeah, as wow. of January. There's only a hundred, yeah. So nightlife isn't a thing here. Like if you're a young person, you know, nightclubs were such a huge part of, you know, your youth and, and growing up and that isn't there anymore. And then I I suppose that kind of in juxtaposition then we still do have quite a big drinking culture. A lot of people in Australia, Irish people, when, when they do go to Australia, while well, you can have that type of lifestyle there, you have an option to, to live a few different lives. You know, you can go really healthy. People are up there at six o'clock in the morning, there's a lot of exercises. There's just, I suppose, more options as well. Mm. Um, and as well, you can go there and you can just, like, I think that was what, that's just what I found anyway from the people my age, friends of mine. It's just, it. you can see it in them. They're just a little bit more relaxed because they're not in this rat race at home. Um, and I do feel like that's why we're, we're kind of saying goodbye to so many people at the departure gates right now. But I do think it's different. I don't think people are going there to be like, OK, I'm going to stay here forever. They they do want to come home, which is a nice mm. thing. You know, it's nice to think that people want to set up life in Ireland, um, whereas before that might have been the case. But as you said, like before we started talking, like there is there's jobs here. There is jobs to be had, but it's just, I suppose... It's the balancing out of, yeah. you know, and, houses and housing and stuff like that. Um, were, were, did Australian fellas impress you or would 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 Irish fellas still have the kind of the... <laughs> <agenda>? <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a it's actually a very funny conversation. I have so many single friends in Australia. The majority of my single friends are actually in Oz, but they told me that they avoid dating Australians because they don't want to get stuck there. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, so then I went over. I met, well, they, they hypnotize I met a, you. They say, look into my eyes. You're oh, truth. You're, you're living in Australia for the rest of your life now, babe, Sheila. But we, it's so funny though, Gareth, like you go there and Irish, we just, we get, we're attracted to each other straight away. We went to this place called the Piano Bar in Byron and it's this fantastic bar. And if anyone is ever going there, you have to go there. There's two piano players. They play whatever song you want. I mean, it's great crack, but there was this one group of guys that came in and me, me and three of the girls were there and we were like, I'm pretty sure they're right. You could just tell by them now they had the collars <laughs> up, like the sunglasses on the head. And they kept kind of edging closer and closer to us. And I was like, okay, these lads are after clocking us. And I'd say, they're saying, are these girls Irish? And then eventually the, the big tray of drinks came over and it came onto our table. And one of them turned around to me, are you Irish by any chance? <laughs> I was like, oh my God. We can't get away from each other. Oh, that's great. I always remember I was standing actually, I, I was living in Dorchester in Boston at the time. It was my first day there and I was going back into the city to get set up for work. And I was standing, there's about 300 people on the platform in the railway station. And I didn't know, there were so many trains coming and going. And I said, can anyone tell me, is this the train for the city? And about five voices said, you know, where are you from? Where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> yep. You, you can take us everywhere, but you've got to take us home eventually, you know? Oh, eventually, definitely, definitely, yeah. Aidan, great to chat to you. Thank you, Gary. Thanks for that. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Now, if you're a fan of the Wolf Tones, I've got a very special surprise coming up for you next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Corks 96 this is Gareth O'Callaghan with you this morning uh, just ahead of the bank holiday weekend tickets for the Wolf Tones gig on Saturday June 29th in Virgin Media Park for those who still go by the old pounds and pennies that's Musgrave Park went on sale this morning at 9am and it's part of their 60th anniversary tour and I'm joined now by Brian Warfield Brian how's the health? Ah grand and how's Gareth and I Hello, all the people there down in Cork, all oh, my great friends. We're all great, thank you. We're all looking forward to welcoming you uh, with, with a real Wolf Tones welcome. I was just, Brian, taking you back a good few years, I was talking there to um, a young 29-year-old journalist who's just spent a bit of time in Australia and talking about, you remember, the J-1 visa and uh, yeah. and the east coast of America. And the, the, the song, I think, Flight of Earls and Streets of New York stand out... Certainly when I was, back in the day, when I was doing a bit of emigrating for a while, they were just fantastic songs. I'm sure you still get yeah. lots of requests for them, do you? Oh, absolutely. It's a, they, they never left the show, really. And, uh, you know, we I put it together like a compilation of songs that we're going to sing uh, for our final tour. And I'm trying to bring back all, you know, all the, all the stuff we had during the year, uh, during the great many years, I might yeah. say. So six years now, and it's um, you know we're looking forward to it. Tommy's eighty this year, so wow. he said I'm not going ahead of that. After that, <laughs> <laughs> he's and we're all pushing up there. And Noel is eighty at Christmas, yeah. So we're no boy band, but um, yeah, we're looking forward to our final year, and um, we're looking forward to having a, another Parky Keeve 
in Musgrave Park or Virgin Media Park or whatever, what it's called now. But uh, we're really looking forward to it. That's and we've always had a grow for uh, the people in Cork and uh, they've always been highly supportive of the Wolf Towns throughout the years. And uh, I'd say one of our most loyal um, following was down there in Cork. So yeah. we're very grateful to Cork. And uh, people were asking all the time, are you not going to do one in Cork? For God's sake, you have to do one in Cork before you go. Yeah, well, I, so, can, I can vouch for it. The, the, the place will be thronged. Any chance of a second gig, maybe? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, up to our lives, we're trying to do everywhere. Like we have... We're going to London for a last gig in Finsbury Park. Yeah. And then then we're going to Manchester and then we're going to Glasgow. So that's all in September. We've a pile of gigs in in, in August. Uh, so, you know, we want to keep right. We don't want to sort of wear out with the vocals uh, yeah. before we, you know, be, we have to be good and strong for each one because I wouldn't like to let anybody down. Do you bring a geriatrician with you on the tour, No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I always bring I always bring some um, some strepsils just in case you know yeah. something happens because the one fear I have and I think we all have as singers is getting a a, a bad throat yeah. and you know that can really put an end to your your gallop no doubt about it but we try and keep healthy and we get this a uh, lot of gigs over but uh, we're really looking forward to it and. You know, I, I'm delighted that we eventually got one in Cork. And, uh, you know, I was asking MCD all the time, can you not get with Cork? Yeah. Because uh, I was getting all these emails. Oh, you have to come back to Cork. You all remember Parky Keeve. <laughs> back, so, uh, back in 1964, what brought you together, Brian? A love and a passion for Irish music. And we, we were had no intentions of being... Uh, getting together to be, you know, forming a group or anything like that. We are loosely loosely connected as a as a, a group of people who like to who like to sing and, and listen to Irish music. And that's how it started. And then myself and Owen emigrated to um, to London at the time. We were there for there for a year and uh, I did all the folk clubs there and uh, we became a, a a bit of a a bit of a name over there mm. and uh we got the front page of, we opened a club in Chelmsford in Essex and we got the front page there and we sent it back to the lads. We are boasting, of course. And, <laughs> and uh, next of all, they came over. So we kindled our, uh, our group over there and then we came back, we came back at Easter and uh, we were there, there for about a year in, in London and uh, we came back at Easter and uh, we re- reformed then back again. Derek had stayed on in London, and uh, he he um, he didn't come back to with us until later on that year. And he had his own group going called the Circle Group, which we were making a bit of a noise too. And um, so we had the Wolf Tones going then, and uh, eventually Giant. I remember when he Giant, uh, someone came and said, "What's that fellow doing? It's that fellow's ruining this." <laughs> 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 eventually he, he combined with us and we were uh, making uh, success after success you know and that's the way it happened we didn't plan it um, you know it couldn't, You know, we got a record contract very early in our career 
and very few people had it back then. And uh, we had a record contract with Fontana for five years, five albums. I think we got to do three or maybe four, if I think about it. And uh, after that, we, uh, uh, the, our management, the, Oliver Barry and, mm. and uh, Jim Hand and Michael Hand, they bought out our contract from, uh, and they had their own label called uh, Dolphin. Yeah. God, so that great, was a, that was our career. Oh my God! Yeah, you, you know it's it's just remarkable how the years go by so fast. I mean, even when you when you think about it, you can't think of all the moments that made up sixty years and all the great events and all the you, you know the Parky Keys and all the great Dublin London shows and you know the National in Kilbourne, Carnegie Hall in in New York, and oh, my God, you know, it's been a, you know, a great privilege uh, for us to have, um, to have had a, the chance and opportunity to do something we love across the world, and we still love it, um, but unfortunately, uh, old age is catching up on, the, on us all, and uh, although I'm not giving up yet, I'm... Uh, Tom I Jones said play. that 20 years ago. <laughs> is he 80 yet? <laughs> I guess he is. He could be, although he doesn't look it, but, but neither do you. Yeah, I was looking at a photograph great. of you. You're, you're still looking well and young. Listen, I've got to leave it there, Brian. Give my best wishes to Tommy and Derek, and we'll see you Saturday, June 29th in Musgrave Absolutely. Park. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Park. Take care of yourself, looking Brian. Forward, looking forward to it, and looking forward to all our friends here in Cork and abroad coming back for that great concert. Great to talk to you. Look after yourself. God bless. Okay, thank you, thank you Gareth. Thank you very Thanks much. Right, bye, bye, bye. That's bye, it. Bye. Today's show was edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you to Wayne in the desk. PJ's back on Tuesday morning. Have a great and safe bank holiday weekend. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie. 96 FM. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.